Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Hancock, 24 hours of Dubai, on RadioLeMond.com. Than adequate, they have done just a fantastic job to assemble very nearly 100 cars in the pit lane down below us for this 10th anniversary of the Hancock 24 hours of Dubai and a race Paul that for the first time here in 2015 starts off a series the International Endurance Series which is endorsed by the FIA. <laughs> I'm kind of in two minds about this one it's, it's good news bad news as a lot of things are in the world I suppose um, it's great news that the FIA has recognised the series and is kind of, even though it's not meddling, and we were talking about this at breakfast this morning, the FIA is not meddling. What it is doing is showing an interest and giving credence, uh, gravitas and, um, you know, a, a bit of credibility or a bit more credibility, because it certainly had credibility anyway, to this race and uh, the other Creventic Endurance uh, Series races. What I just feel a little bit nervous about is that it turns into people racing for points. And I think you're of the same mind to me on this one, John, but a race is a race. And sometimes to see somebody cruising around to gather points for finishing in third place or fourth place is never quite as good as seeing them giving it a bit of welly and going for an outright win, even if it means that they may end up blowing the car up and therefore not getting a safe third and therefore not getting the benefit of 24 points or whatever it is for the championship. So there's a little bit of... Um, the character of win at win or bust kind of thing, which goes out of the window when you become part of a series. But having said that, the value of having the FIA in there and and the the, the backing is is fantastic. Now, if I uh, just turn up our outside mics, you can hear the pit lane hooter is going off, which means. You probably also hear us coming back just a little bit on the PA as well, uh, which means it's just after one o'clock here uh, in the United Arab Emirates here in Dubai, and that means we are starting our uh, four hours of private testing. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing, Paul. I just think that uh, the nature of most of the races that now make up this International Endurance Series, the FI International Endurance Series, are such that you are not likely to get very many people who will do them all. And, and particularly an event like this with 96 cars, 97 cars perhaps, um, or certainly over 90 to start. Uh, you know, if I was doing this race, I wouldn't be thinking about championship. If I was doing the 24 hours of, of recard, yeah. I wouldn't be thinking about the championship because I am not the type of driver who really cares about the championship. Yeah. No, absolutely right. And, and I think the majority will be like that. Exactly. And in a sense, although it is therefore a series, um, you know, I, I, my question is, what is the value of scoring points when some people aren't doing all the rounds and yep. overall people are more interested in individual results? So, you know, that's you're kind of echoing, echoing the thought. And 
On the other hand, if it does encourage some people to do Mugello or to do Zandvoort who might not otherwise consider it in order to score points, in order to maybe get a position in, in, uh, in the series championship results at the end of the season, then more power to prevent its elbow because, you know, obviously every entry in every race is, is valuable stuff mm. for them. Already, Jörg Muller uh, is out in the uh, the number uh, 74, which uh, is one of the A6 cars, uh, which is one of the Cup 1 cars, rather. A6 being the uh, the GT3s. It's the usual suspect in terms of the classes, Paul, uh, this year. We don't have a, a, a specific diesel class this year. The diesel runners are conspicuous bar one by their absence, so no diesel class, but a, a, an amazing, again, array of cars, headed up by the A6 cars, which effectively what people would know as the uh, would know as GT3 cars uh, to all intents and purposes. Yes, in, in a, another case of Creventic doing the sensible thing, what they don't want to have is uh, classes of one or two or three cars. So because we've only got, I think it's one or two uh, diesel-engined Seats, uh, what they've done is to bundle them in with the A2 class. Um, and again, sensible, because what's the value in winning a class of which there are only two entrants? So, uh, yes, I mean, I don't think it's harmed the overall entry list, but what it has done is to uh, bunch up one or two classes together or amalgamate two classes into one. Um, and that process might continue to happen uh, as the meeting evolves because uh, either some classes may get wiped out as a result of accident damage or whatever we hope not during the practice sessions but that can happen uh, but also people can get bumped up a class if they prove that uh, the car that they're running is running a bit too fast for the others in their class in the interests of competition and fair uh, motorsport for all um, you may find an a2 car being put up into a3 or to be in, mm. in one of the sp2 or sp3 classes uh, that can happen as well as the uh, uh, as the session uh, or as the weekend as the meeting uh, proceeds uh jacob christensen just gone out as well in the uh, number at 115 that is Tom Christensen's brother he is the racing Christensen now of course uh, as, as Tom has stepped aside although Tom keeps telling us that uh, he has still got uh, a racing license this is a Renault Clio RS Sport 2 litre that Jakob shares with Jan Engelbrecht Per Poulsen Klaus Bertelsen and Thomas Sorensen an all Danish and Danish ended team Reiser, uh, Renault Clio and the beauty of this race for me is still that the GT3 cars at the head of the field are augmented and supplemented by the more particular touring cars uh, that we've seen some of the Seat some of the uh, some of the uh, Renaults, etc. Actually, give that to Johnny. It's easy to give that to Johnny. I'm just sorry. We're just we're playing we're playing headphone tennis at the moment because I can control Johnny and then you can control yourself. That probably makes a uh, uh, a little bit more sense. And the Johnny we are talking about is Johnny Palmer. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. And how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you enjoying the uh, United Arab Emirates and Dubai particularly? One hundred percent so far. I mean, uh, what a fabulous way to start to start the day and spend the morning doing several laps around this what would appear when you first arrive to be a relatively simple track but it's not until you're actually witnessing it from a driver's eye 
perspective that you realise there's an awful lot more to this circuit than uh, initially meets the eye. Uh, the odd sort of blink in your miss brow that could catch you out, particularly on exits of corners. There, there's all sorts of different routes through various bits of the circuit as well, which I'm interested in uh, what some of the quicker chaps will uh, be doing and uh, chap S's will be doing later on in the, the, the week and later on in the race. But some corners I still haven't quite mastered yet in terms of uh, the perfect way through there. Some that look like they have one apex and in fact there are two to be discovered mm. um, there was a variety of lines on shore well that's what there? I mean yeah and you, you, I'm still not sure particularly with the double penultimate corner if you like uh, three from the end exactly how to approach that. anti-penultimate is the word you anti-penultimate yeah. thank you that's you learn something there yeah very yeah. good very good yeah this is the uh, this is what is effectively well most of the turns are, uh, are numbered here um, and that is turn 16, I think, from mem from memory. And, uh, it's the one after a, a flat left, and then you break hard into, well, is it turn 16 or is it 16 and 17? That's the question yeah. mark I have in my mind at the moment, whether there are two corners or one within that bit. Uh, you're listening to live coverage of the first major event of the year. It is RadioLeMond.com, powered by Nismo. Hashtag eat, sleep, race, repeat. Uh, and down in the pit lane is Nick Damon. Good afternoon, Nick. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I am very well, sir. I am very well indeed. Are you, do you like my track? Uh, your track? It's my circuit now. I own it, apparently, according to the graphics. Does it? And the pictures. I mean, it's a picture of me. There's my own medical centre, the whole lot. The Damon Drome. That's exactly right. Welcome to the Damon Drome. Thank you. And, 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 and earlier, I reinvented some of the lines around the corners as well, so I've invented the whole thing. I thought you, I thought you were very good. You learn very quickly under tutelage. <laughs> um, uh, not everyone doing this session, Nick. Uh, so uh, we, we got about, I think, about uh, 30 or 40 cars, maybe. Yeah, of the uh, potential 95, there's uh, it's, 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 I think you said earlier, it's all the usual suspects. It's the uh, the front runners on the whole who are getting out there and getting those extra laps, the uh, few hundred extra euros they're charged this uh, effective promoter test. Uh, a lot, obviously, the cars that aren't actually out are still being feverishly worked on, even if it's just a clean and getting the stickers on correctly. But some of the uh, the smaller machines are going out in the uh, very competitive A2 class, the uh, sub two litre petrol uh, machines uh, and odd cars as well. I think probably, and, and, and no surprise, you've been wheeled beneath me at the moment is the uh, the Nismo Nissan uh, PlayStation GT Academy Team RJN machine uh, number 23, and that's uh, obviously definitely doing extra few laps because virtually all the car drivers in there are graduates of the uh, GT Academy and therefore haven't done much racing at all, and certainly none here. Uh, hmm, you've said that. I'm not sure that's right because did Florian race here last year. Uh, yes, that's what I was the thinking. Other, the others haven't, but yeah. Florian did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick Damon, part of uh, our Power Pioneer more pit lane team on a beautiful afternoon. Sun baking yet? Uh, it's very nice actually. I, you know, I've been lucky enough, obviously, to be here for a couple of extra days this time because you uh, kindly invited me in the, the lovely Rachel out, and Rachel says hello from Goa. Um, but it is, I think, nicer weather than the previous three years we've been here. It's always nice, but I think it's two or three degrees nicer. Can't see the coastline and the Burjas, uh, the Burj Al Khalifa and the Burj Al Arab yet, but uh, no doubt that will happen uh, later on. Thanks, Nick. Nick Damon uh, down there in the pit lane. Uh, Bruce Jones and Joe Bradley to join us uh, later on. Um, We've been 
browsing through, gentlemen, John, uh, Johnny and Paul here, uh, browsing through the extensive uh, driver and entrant list. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about that in just a few moments' time because Bruce has popped up uh, down at Garage of Car 96, the Mike Racing Mercedes AMG. This is uh, an all-Malaysian entry, uh, Bruce. All-Malaysian indeed, and one of many new teams to this event that, as we say, John, just keeps on burgeoning. I'm with uh, Rick Chiang. What are your thoughts ahead of your first visit here to the Dubai 24 Hours? Yeah, we are very excited for the first time to be in Middle East for our first race, yeah. But you haven't started with a small class as you've gone straight in at the top end. Um, in fact, we, we have a GT3 car for now, so um, we just start with the car, yeah. And how much publicity does this race get home in, at home in Malaysia? Well, not really, because we are a private team, we are, we are fully sponsored by ourselves. So um, not really, because in Malaysia, the motorsport is not as good as, I mean, not, not as open as Europe for now, yeah. And what are your ambitions beyond this? Will you do some more of the Creventic races this year? Obviously, we come here to win. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can finish in podium, yeah. Okay, best of luck. And who's in the car at the moment? Is it uh, Michael? Yeah. Michael is on the a, on a first test. He's a first driver and he's a team owner, yeah. He's out there testing now. Very good. That's good politics. Thank you very much. Always put the team owner in first. And in fact, that's Michael Chuan. His brother, Joseph's about to take the car over, but they're all learning the track as I knock over their lollipop. Uh, anything that's caught your eye early on, Bruce? Uh, just the sheer... Each year, the quality of the car seems to get yeah. better. The level of presentation is astonishing. And then we start counting numbers. And it's just as you walk up and down the pit lane, you see people like Bernd Schneider. Have a quick word with Bernd. Bernd, how many times have you been to the Dubai 24 hours now? Um, first time I was here in 2011. Oh, I thought you raced before, but you've had big success here. Again, you've got a very strong lineup. Tell, tell us about your crew for Black Falcon. Um, yeah, I think uh, we are high motivated. We, we didn't uh, could to find the title last year. And um, I think we're good prepared. We got a brand new car now for the race. But it will be very hard and tough because it's a lot of cars at the grid. I think more than 90 and it will be a really hard race. And about 30 of them are Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, very strong, very SLS lineup. And uh, would be great to see them. 13 SLS at the start and finish line uh, and the start procedure. Well, it will make a fantastic noise. Thank you very much. That's Bert Schneider, a driver who never knowingly underachieves. It's Bruce Jones down in the pit lane. You're listening to uh, Powered by Nismo coverage of the Hancock 24 Hours of Dubai. Paul Truswell. Yeah, the, uh, just hearings from uh, Bernd Schneider there. He, he's in the number three uh, Black Falcon Mercedes, the one entered by Abu Dhabi Racing. Uh, his co-driver is very strong indeed. I mean, far too early in the weekend yet to start picking winners, but uh, you could almost hear in Bernd's voice there that uh, there was a certain element of disappointment that they weren't able to win this race last year, and uh, I think some unfinished business uh, uh, referred to there. Um, so Bernd Schneider driving alongside Jerome Blakemol and Andreas Simonsen and Khalid Al-Kubaisi in the number three Mercedes. The other one, the number two Mercedes, uh, also entered by, I say the other one, the other Black Falcon one. Um, also entered by Black Falcon, uh, is Hubert Haupt, Yelba Berman, Oliver Webb. That's the uh, other Black Falcon, then. The other, as opposed to, yes. Um, and Abdelaziz Al-Faisal. So, uh, 
two very strong driver lineups in the Black Falcon cars, numbers two and three. Um, and the poor little car with the number one on the side is the one that won last year, uh, the Stadler Motorsport A car, white Porsche. A boring white Porsche. Yes. That, entered by a Swiss team, so it's even more yes. boring. Hot Swiss. Not that the Swiss are boring, um, but they do tend to do things in a very unemotional way. Um, but having said that, the uh, emotion at the end of last year's race was clear for all to see only four drivers in that car this year though there were five last year are there um, some did i see one or two with just three drivers uh they're in the entry list at the moment that we have our one or two with right. just three but i suspect that uh, there are some likely lads prowling up and down the pit lane with their helmet bag and driving boots um we saw two of them arriving this morning no, no he's, he's here he's oh joe brad is here isn't he? i thought you might be prowling up and down the pit lane he was of... quite impressive earlier he really was <laughs> Anyway, um, so yes, there are some with three. There are five is the maximum that you're allowed to have. Um, and one driver may drive two cars. It's uh, the other trick. And indeed, Schneider did that and got two feet on two different part, or one foot on each different part of the podium, did he not? In two, or was it, was it last year, actually? It was last year, it was yes, second and third, second wasn't he? That was very um, difficult for him to stretch all the way across. First and second, first and third, much easier. Um, but uh, no, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Christian Engelhart, uh, along with Mark Ineichen and Rolf Ineichen and Adrian Amstutz, the fourth driver in the number one car, are able to go this year. I mean, it was clear last year how um, much slower that Porsche was, but it just managed to stay out of the pits, uh, spending just over an hour in the pits. And uh, it spent something like 20 minutes less in the pits than the Mercedes. So no surprise that it won, really, John. Triple Eight is a name that most people will know if you're listening from the UK for our uh, Hankook 24-hour coverage here at Dubai. It is the uh, number eight car. It's in the A6 category. It's a Z4 GT3. And Jaws Bourne is one of the drivers. He's with Bruce Jones. Joe, the BMW Z4 has done great things in this race in the past. You're a little outnumbered this time by the SLS Mercedes. I think it's a football team against only one of us. So uh, it's going to be hard work for sure. But uh, BMW developed the car a little bit more as well over the last few years. So we're confident in our, in our machinery. It's down to us, I think, as drivers to not hit one of the other 94 cars out there. Well, yeah, moving, moving targets indeed. But you've got a very strong lineup. You, Lee Mole, um, Charlie Hollings. And, and tell me a bit about Jack, Jack Doiver. Yeah, so Jack Driver, he's a South African, Belgian, English guy, so he's got enough nationalities. Uh, he's a guy who's been working with Charlie, so Charlie's his bro and Jack's his student. He's done a, a lot of racing in Ferrari Challenge. Uh, he's been getting on the podium in that, so he's doing well, and he's, he's looking to do more GT3 stuff. He's done the Abu Dhabi race before, and he has done Dubai before as well, so he's, he's a good um, amateur driving the car along with us. Now, standing here in the pit lane, it, it, you just mentioned before we started talking that uh, it's a bit hot. It seems hotter than the past few years. Certainly, I'm sweating. Yeah, it seems a little bit more humid, probably. Maybe not temperature-wise, but it's very still out here. There's no uh, wind chill whatsoever, and it, it's sweltering. It really is warm. So do you really think it was a wise choice to come with a full beard as you have? Yeah, that was my, uh, that was my Christmas training. Six weeks of beard growth. I think it's uh, going to be chopped off in six seconds tonight when I go back to the hotel. Very wise. Best of luck. Uh, you're about to go out, I believe. Thank you. Thank you. Bruce Jones down in the pit lane. Some early times coming in straight down towards the two-minute mark. Two-minute 1.501 for last year's winner, the Porsche. Now, what I'm not sure of, Paul, is whether that is Rolf Anaishin in the car. Uh, do we have the ability to tell drivers apart here? Uh, theoretically, yes, it is. Uh, although in practice, there is no 
requirement within the regulations for the drivers to have the driver switch in the right place. There's oh, in a, the test session, There yeah. is a driver switch Got in you. the car, um, and the driver is supposed to put that on. And I learned actually um, before this weekend um, that there's a, then a little light that flashes blip, 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 or blip, blip, or blip as a kind of one, two, three flashes if you're yes. driver number three. So rather than displaying driver number three, but at least you get a little flash mm -hmm. so that you know that you've set it to the right setting. Um, and uh, as I say, hopefully we'll keep an eye on that. But in theory, uh, that will be Rolf in Eichen uh, at the wheel of the car at the moment. What we don't know is who's in the number three Mercedes at the moment, because that's just showing us the uh, entrance name rather than um, any well, we know of the drivers. It's, it's not Bernd Schneider. Presumably, because... Uh, I'm guessing Khaled Al Capese. Uh, could well be getting his uh, eye in early on. Uh, and of course, whilst the circuit is still a bit dusty, uh, it will take a little while for the... Uh, line to dial itself in. And it was dusty this morning, wasn't yeah. it? When we were, were out in that uh, early session, Johnny, of the, the I suppose, sighting laps for uh, for the teams and drivers who haven't been here before, uh, it was quite remarkable how much was being thrown up just from road tyres. The dust for me was most noticeable on that long straight. Now, that's maybe because it was a straight and, you know, we weren't really paying attention to turning left or right at the time, but there seems to be a fair bit of, because it's, it's blown from, as you head down that back straight, blown from left to right, I think. So, and because the start and finish line is behind the pit garages, maybe it's not quite as badly as affected by the dust and by the sand, but yeah, that uh, will affect grip levels. Um, and affect tyre wear as well and it's a bit of an unknown year with change of tyre supplier for 2015 Hankook coming in and it'll take a couple of sessions for drivers to, to realise what this new rubber behaves like uh, Rod Gorta brings the uh, number 69 into the pit lane I thought I saw that just a, a moment ago this is the Gulf Racing UK Lamborghini Gallardo this is the LP560 one of the larger engine cars 5.2 obviously the Mercedes are uh, up to 6.2 and we've we've got the big engine uh, we've got the big engine Viper here again have we Paul or I have to say I haven't gone right through no I don't remember no having Vipers, seen no. it no oh that's a shame so that will put, so the, the Mercs will be the biggest engines then at, uh, at the 6.2 the GDL racing car certainly got a 6.2 the, the Chevy Corvette number uh, 19 has a 7 litre engine oh has it just for fun and and that's, that's an old gt1 car isn't it yes this is the in fact the car that set fast assuming it's the same car uh that set fastest lap spot, in Johnny. last year's race with nikki pastorelli driving it and um it was blindingly quick out on the track but just not quite as reliable as i think the team wanted it to be the v8 racing dutch entered team including nikki pastorelli one of the drivers the Abu Dhabi uh, racing number 14 drops into second place still nobody under the two minutes mark uh, 2015 uh, for the now in the pits number one Stadler Motorsports uh, Porsche 997 this is a GT3R and it is a 4 litre GT3R as well should make that point um, talking to the organisers early in the week that's an all Swiss team with Chris uh, excuse me it's not with Christian Engelhardt the uh, lone German in an otherwise old Swiss driving lineup there with uh, Adrian Amstutz Rolf Nation and Mark Nation in in that car the it is rather difficult and I was talking to a couple of drivers as well as Gary Willems uh, one of our organisers here for for, for, for uh, Swiss drivers because of the lack of national motorsport complete lack of national motorsport they have to go out of country of course to get their 
their license is upgraded. Uh, and it means you've got to do a lot of, to get a, uh, an international C-class license, it's quite difficult for them. Now that this is an FIA event, one of the plus points is that there's an application going forward to it being made a new, what is, it's, it's a, called a bronze event, which means you're allowed to race in it with an international D. Now, not all ASNs have international days, and I'm not sure whether the UK does or doesn't. It's something that I will have to look into when I go back. But it does mean that for people who have difficulty in national class racing getting what we would call A-class races, to get the upgrade from a national A to an int C, yeah. it makes it a little bit easier. It's a halfway house between those two licenses. And, and another, yet another indication of say the lengths to which Preventic will go um, it sounds like they're trying to stretch rules but uh, it's not like that but Preventic they, try listened, and open it up they've listened to their stakeholders I, exactly mm. and, and they try and open it up and, uh, and, and as you say listen to the, the, the customer basically um, one of the advantages the Swiss do have I'm told is that uh, racing licenses are much cheaper to get in Switzerland and than entrance they, licenses and entrance too licenses yes too. Um, so, yes, I mean, you may have to travel, if you are Swiss, you may have to travel out of the country in order to go motor racing. But if you live in Dijon or somewhere, then traveling over the border and uh, getting your license in Switzerland and setting up a little address there is a far uh, more economic way uh, of doing your motor racing. Uh, Swiss entrants, uh, Hofer Racing, as well as Stadler Motorsport, Fac Tech, FAT, of course, great Labod history for no, those it's guys. Not. We did this last year. <laughs> Um, Different company, yes, same it is. initials. Same initials. Uh, Glorax Racing, they're, uh, another Swiss uh, entrant, as I'm just going through. Bahrain, we've got... Uh, it's nice to see more local Edmonds as well, and that was something I noticed from watching the GT3 Cup on local television, the Porsche GT3 Cup recently. Uh, more local drivers hugely as well. Hugely important, because I think what, one thing, John, just quickly on that, I mean, one of the things Johnny and I were talking about uh, on the flight over is that, the, that there isn't really a kind of a culture of motorsport in this part of the world, no. but you've got to build it up from somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. And if you start getting local entrants, local drivers, then you will build the basis and you'll build up a, a reason for people to come and watch and to have a local interest. And then that kind of can build up on itself. And who's to say in 50 years time, people will look back on this being as the gestation of the mm. era of motorsport in the Middle East. I'm not sure I've seen a San Marino flag as an entrant. GDL Racing have their 997 Cup here, and in fact, Lim Kong Liam, uh, the Singapore uh, registered driver in the 87 cars, fastest in the uh, in the Porsche class, the 997 uh, category. Uh, GDL running two cars, the 87 and the 97, for a variety of drivers, including uh, Basha Madrini, the uh, Madini, the UAE driver, but also Australians, Hong Kong drivers there, um, Malaysia, uh, and uh, a Russian driver as well, Michael Spiridov, Spiridov, excuse me. Uh, and we will be struggling with some of those names all the way through this week. Um, what's PNG? Papua New Guinea. Wow. Keith Kasulke then, who we've spoken about, I think, at Bathurst in one of the Mark focused V8s. Uh, which are back here in the SP2 or here in the SP2 category. Uh, there's a goodly sprinkling of Porsches, as you uh, might uh, have expected. The advantage of running a winter series here and talking to the guys from Porsche yesterday is that the Porsche Carrera Cup here uh, in the Middle East 
uh, they run from the end of the European season to just before the start they get their brand new cars first run them for a relatively compact season and then sell them into Europe very good very good <laughs> they're um, all sold by March I mean one of the one of the amazing things actually is that the state I mean we heard it briefly from uh, from Bruce earlier on when you were talking to him John but uh, the the state of readiness uh, of everybody has kind of knocked me backwards but uh, mm. then again I mean a lot of these cars were ready uh, back before Christmas in order to be shipped out here yes um, there's a smoky car over in the distance I can see there and it is a 911 or a 997 cup car, I do believe. And that's uh, in the early part of the lap, uh, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, just uh, pulling off to the side of the track, but it only puts the throttle down. It smokes quite horribly as... Uh, that's not good. Oil filters uh, or oil coolers seem to have uh, not been doing their proper function on that car. Uh, and hopefully it's not going to catch fire, um, which, of course, was something that happened, when was it, two or three years ago on the first lap? Um, with the, one of the favourites, wasn't it? Exactly so. But uh, I think he's going to be able to. He's pulled off the start. Fin the, sorry, the main straight through. I was going to say the, the back straight, but it's sort of the middle straight mm. the, the layout at Dubai because uh, it kind of runs from one diagonal to the far diagonal uh, of the circuit. But he'll uh, bring it back into the pits, and then whatever damage has been done, we'll be able to identify. It might be number mm. eleven. Uh, Yes, it's one of the Fac Autotech cars, one of your Swiss entries, which you cursed with the commentator's mention, uh, I've just actually noticed how many Swiss, Swiss uh, drivers there are. They're taking over, you know, just as they are in the WEC. <laughs> Beautiful day here, uh, temperatures well up into the mid-20s Celsius. A little bit of wind uh, just blowing across from the western side of the circuit. Uh, we're looking out on drivers from drivers' less. Yes, it was the 11, Paul. Well done. And it's coming from the right-hand bank of cylinders. Is that uh, red, white, uh, red and just off-white now. Porsche comes back into the pit lane. The start line is just down and to our left. We're on drivers' left uh, just beyond the start line. And... The circuit. This is one of the places where we get a commentary box where we can see pretty much the circuit. There's a tiny bit just going through turn one that we can't see because it drops down rather viciously there, as we found out when we were driving uh, the track. And it, I mean, we were sitting in a, a Porsche Cayenne. Thank you very much, Porsche, uh, for that. Uh, but Johnny, in a, uh, one of these low race cars, seeing the apex, particularly from a left-hand drive car, to the, to the right of the circuit, you don't see that apex of turn one till, well, in fact, you barely see it until you're on top of it. No, that's, you're right, although you can see marker boards, so you should have a, still a reference point as to where to, to break, and you just need to be totally trustworthy of marshals that are going to warn you of any incident there, but the apex doesn't change from one lap to the next. It's no, still, true. It's but exactly the, the same place, so you could... When it gets dark, you know, you have to have faith that the corners are still in the same place. Yes, true. It can hide things over the top of that brow. We've seen that before with the Ginetta, I think, stuck on the apex of that corner. Uh, drama for that number 11 FAC Autotech Porsche, Bruce. Yeah, it came in under uh, with a fair amount of smoke coming out of the back, and I noticed it was being pushed in the garage. I noticed flames, and uh, then eventually the team noticed, ran in and gave it a good old squirt. But uh, I didn't see who was driving it, but they hopped out and did the international fingers across the throat gesture uh, so I guess this little practice run assistant official practice has uh, not had the right conclusion maybe hopefully for their case uh, it was out with a, an old engine but uh, 
for number 11, not the flying start they were looking for here at Dubai. Still spraying it to get it clear, but the flames are out. Quite small, but just one of those little moments you don't want to start your weekend with. Uh, that was, we think, Marcel Wagner in that car, Bruce. And it, it just on the second quickest lap of the session, actually, down to a 2026. Uh, so well in the hunt there. That is another one of the GT3 cars, of course, and indeed the top nine at the moment with uh, Rob Barth having just come into the pits uh, in the number 88, uh, the Dragon Racing, the first of Dragon Racing entry cars, the Ferrari 458. He is the ninth of nine. Uh, in fact, as I say that, he's just dropped down a tenth because Tim Muller in the 27 has just gone ahead of him on a 205 206.3 uh, the 27 uh, being the car collection motorsport Mercedes these are the guys that we were talking about in the middle of last year at uh, Zandvoort the very uh, successful 3 plus 9 which I have to call it because Paul's here he wasn't happy that we were calling it a 12 <laughs> it might be a 4 plus 8 this year I mean, we were talking about this uh, yesterday we are half an hour in good afternoon from Dubai and the Dubai Autodrome. It's 87.6 on Autodrome FM and around the world on RadioLamont.com. The Hankook 24 Hours of Dubai. Our coverage brought to you with Nismo, hashtag Eat Sleep Race Repeat, celebrating 30 years of Renegade in 2015. And if you're listening to us uh, around the circuit, and it is that time of day, don't forget to pop along to the middle of the hospitality suites and... Uh, go and see Jordi and the team at Cafe Nero. Uh, they'll sort you out with some fabulous homemade pastries and uh, a huge selection of barista-made coffees, hot chocolates, teas, etc. And they do some pretty decent line in uh, toasted sandwiches as well, if you're thinking about what to do for breakfast tomorrow and you're coming in early. Uh, we have had something over 40 46. cars. Yeah, 46 uh, cars out thus far. And uh, when you kind of look across the track and see how busy it is and think, well, that's half of them. Yes. Uh, there's another 40 odd sitting in garages. Um, you, you kind of realize the, the, the scale that this event has really now taken on from uh, relatively small beginnings to, uh, to the great success that it now is and uh, a really good entry for the 10th anniversary just coming into the pits is the Ram Racing Mercedes SLS which I don't think it's got a mention yet uh, um, from any of us and apologies if we haven't Tom Onslow Cole is at the wheel at the moment he's in fifth place in the times at the moment at 2 minutes 3.024 um, Tom Onslow Cole sharing with Thomas Yeager, Adam Christodoulou and Chirag Iria. and uh, I must say having seen photographs of that car uh, when it was in its raw colours it looks much 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 better in the flesh, it's a deeper red than uh, yeah. the photograph, whether it's actually got uh, been changed since the photographs have been taken but it's a very um, burgundy sort of mm. uh, red with uh, a big so wide silver, silver stripe, yeah. uh, race stripe over the bonnet and roof um, but a very nice looking car as you would expect really from Ram Racing and uh, a dark horse well it's got a good driver lineup. we'll see uh, Nick Damon is at that end of pit lane in fact I can see nice. him yes hello Nick resplendent in his black radio Le Mans uh, t-shirt right next to the number 30 Ram car and indeed Paul is absolutely right it's a very uh, lovely uh, deep red actually reminds me of the deep red of my Triumph Explorer actually John uh, very yes. similar colour I am slightly stuck at the top three garages by a minor technical fault that our lovely German team is sorting out but uh, 
that does give me the chance to to see if I can uh, grab, grab a word with it. Oh, it was there a second ago. I've, I've made that terrible mistake of losing the eyes on the driver for a second. It's Adam uh, Christodoulou, just one of the, uh, the round driver. Oh, and Dan's here as well. Adam, you're watching your very attractive SLS go out. Uh, I think you've not had a go yet, but have you driven the SLS before? Yeah, yeah, so I was in the SLS last year. We finished third. There you go, see. That's the research I should have done. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, I've been lucky enough that last year I drove the SLS a lot with uh, Black Falcon. I did Dubai 24, Spa 24, Nürburgring 24. Uh, each outing went pretty well. So um, it, at the Nürburgring 24, we qualified top Mercedes. We were fourth overall, uh, just missing out on the top three in qualifying. The race didn't quite go to plan for our car, but the other car finished second. Um, the SLS is new to Ram Racing. So uh, there's me, uh, both Toms and Sherag in the car, so it should be pretty good. Now, obviously, this isn't the uh, 24 hours of Nürburgring. In many ways, the pit lane resembles it. I mean, how does this compare as an event to the Nürburgring 24? Well, uh, they've all got their own challenges. Obviously, the Nürburgring, the Nordschleife, obviously, is the, the biggest track in the world kind of thing. So uh, it has got its own challenges. Obviously, we've still got the fuel pumps that we have to, to go to. So obviously, a lot of strategy has to to work around the fuel pumps, making sure there's no one at the fuel pumps when we're coming in. So I'm sure, obviously, it's going to be pretty tough at the start of the race. That's when everyone's going to be roughly on the same strategy. So we've got to make sure that we just have a clean race, basically. I'm sure you're going to hear it a lot this weekend. Everyone's going to say to stay out of trouble, but it's uh, it's not as easy as that. Obviously, when you're pushing, uh, some people do make mistakes, and hopefully we're not a victim of anyone else's mistake this year, and uh, we should be able to should be able to fight for the win. Well, it's a good point about mistakes. We hear well, there is a red flag. You hear the cars coming in, uh, car off at turn four, and uh, uh, I'm sure John will be able to identify his binos out right now trying to see who's caused that red flag. But uh, how did it come about you're with Ram then this weekend? Well, um, Tom, Tom's known the team pretty well and uh, just got referred to them. And um, and so we had a few meetings and it just sort of went from there, really. Uh, I, I've got a bit of experience. Well, I've got quite a bit of experience with the Mercedes and obviously they, they looked at that and... Uh, Bought me as one of their selected few uh, for the driver lineup, which was pretty good. So, um, it, obviously, I was chatting to Black Falcon originally at the start, and uh, it's sort of before final stages, um, Ram Racing approached me, and we were looking at the deals. And uh, I think the lineup that we've got here is uh, good enough to, to fight against Black Falcon's number one car as well. So, so well, that's a brave statement. Uh, just with the, the information, the 216 Renault Cup X85 car. Which we do. do you know what a Renault Cup X85 is, Adam? Because I don't know that. Do you know what a Renault Cup X85 car is? Uh, I'm assuming it's the Clio, but with, with a bit of a monster of an engine in it. I'm not too sure, but uh, obviously there's 95 cars out there, and so it's going to be extremely tough. In fact, uh, it's probably going to be the most cars on the amount of distance track that I'll have raced against. Obviously, at the Nürburgring, we race against uh, up to 200 cars, but we got 25 kilometers to battle over, whereas here we got five kilometers between 100, well, almost 100 cars, 95 cars, so it's going to be extremely tough. It's just, everything's going to be about traffic management for this race. Adam, best luck for the uh, whole weekend. Thanks a lot. Brings up a couple of very good points there, gentlemen, about the tactics of fueling uh, and getting to the pits at the right time. 
it's, I mean, the way Adam was describing it made it sound quite simple. Um, you know, the, the, the pumps are empty, you radio in and you come in and you find that there's nobody at the pumps, except that four other teams also said the pumps are empty uh, and radio in and get them to come round. And it, it doesn't always work as simply as you would hope it would. Um, but uh, I think the, the real key um, is that some of the nozzles don't quite flow as quickly as some of the other nozzles in the pit area. Now, they're all supposed to be equal. Are we doing stopwatch tests on novels? nozzles? So what some of the clever teams will be wow. doing during the private test now wow. is to say, bring it in, but don't go to pump two. We know about pump two. Go to pump three. We want to test pump three, see how quickly the fuel comes out of pump three. So you can then see like which is the quickest fuel nozzle. There's a golf clap in the background when George Bradley's <laughs> landing there. Well, Attention to detail, absolutely. And then, of course, when you come into the pits, you say not that the pumps are free, but pump four is free, and that's the fast one. So come in and go to pump four, and then we'll get out more quickly and we'll be on our way. The, the key thing with the race here, and particularly for, for Johnny's benefit, I mean, he knows this already, but um, you don't have the fueling and the tyre changing and the driver changing all going on at once, um, nor even in the same place. The pit lane is a fuel-free area. Uh, the fueling is all done up at the top end of the pits, and any pit stop that you make, you can either change driver, change tyres, or refuel, or both. Uh, but you come in and do each bit um, in the relative uh, relevant part of the Or you lane. can just fuel. Or you can just fuel. Which do you means have to stop at your pit before you go no, to the fuel you can go station. straight past your right. pit and then go straight up to the... And so I can just picture Joe now standing in the uh, pit lane saying, number seven's coming in, number seven's coming He's gone straight past! But he won't, because he'll then go up to the uh, refueling area. Uh, the other thing, whilst I've got Joe's attention, is he's that... He's got hours he... at the moment. He's just taking his <laughs> shorts off in there. Yeah. Um, is that if you get served a penalty, um, you serve that in the penalty box and you can then go from there to your pit box and do a normal pit stop. So right. there's no restriction as there is in some, some other areas where uh, you are not allowed to do anything else when you serve your stop-go penalty. If you have a stop-go penalty, you can delay that penalty um, until you come into the pits next time you don't have to do it straight away you can delay it until you come into the pits next time you then take that and then you drive the car up to the pit to have your normal service and if it's less than i think the um, number is five seconds if your penalty is less than five seconds you can then add them together as well so if you've got two two second penalties to take you can add them together and do them as one four second penalty okay uh, we'll be talking more about penalties as the uh, the weekend or the week continues. I will remind you, if you're listening to us uh, somewhere in the world today, on Wednesday, uh, or possibly on Thursday, if you're in the uh, in Australia and slightly further ahead uh, of us in time, the race is on Friday into Saturday here, local time 2 till 2. Uh, so set your weekend early. Uh, so Friday 2 o'clock uh, in the Emirates time in Dubai time uh, that's uh, uh, that would be what at 10 o'clock in the morning in the UK on Friday through to 10 o'clock Saturday uh, we will also this weekend uh, be bringing you some uh, programming from the Raw before the Rolex 24 share Adam and Jim Roller are our two reporters at that event and they'll be a Saturday and a Sunday show uh, from that test session but obviously uh, the racing takes precedence here uh, because it is only testing at uh, its practice in fact uh, it's just 
practice. Uh, so the race meeting takes precedence, of course, here. As I can now see, uh, being towed behind one of the Dubai Autodrome pickup trucks, what does look to be some form of Renault Clio yeah. Cup car. I don't think it's the one I said it was, though, oh. uh, John, I'm afraid. Right. So, um, Is it the 116 rather than the 216? Don't think so either, but it depends on whether the uh, photos in the programme are up to date or not. But we'll pick it out in a minute because it will be uh, on its way back and hopefully we'll be able to get this uh, session underway unless there's tyre wall damage to be... I don't um, think that's accident but... damage. I think that is mechanical think failure. It's, stopped? It's, yep. on, it's on a tow rope rather than on a flat bed. And the wheels seem to be pointing in the right direction. Definitely not 216, says Bruce Jones. He can see that down in the pit lane. You're listening to Radio Le Mans 87.6 on Autodrome FM here in Dubai and around the world on the internet, of course. Welcome along to the first coverage of uh, the first big event of the season. It is the Hankook Dubai 24 hours, 10 years of this event. Amazing to think uh, that we've done almost half of those now. And in such a short time, this event has, has really developed. Just looking uh, through some of the previous winners, it's a, it's a race ball that's never been won by a car, uh, anything other than German manufacturer, of course. Mercedes-Benz, BMW <laughs> and Porsche. Porsche, yes. Um, 217 was the answer to the question. Ah, right. I reflect on that. It was a Renault X85 Cup car, uh, 217 being the other modern motorsports uh, Hong Kong entry. Right, so they've. Ch so how many have we got? So we've got four modern motorsports cars because there's a 116 that's out there as well. Uh, we've had 50 cars in the pit lane, certainly, for the test. Uh, at least. I can't see screen three yet, so I won't want to flip that one uh, over once in a while. Uh, or Paul can tell us how many cars that we've had. It's not mandatory, this test, by the way. It was uh, an additional... Uh, an additional fee for the guys, but quite a lot of the guys uh, throughout the field are, are taking this on, particularly if they haven't seen the track before. And again, Just sorry, 50. it is fifty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. 50. Yeah. Uh, again, not to make you all particularly envious, Johnny, but we we did spend a bit of time out there on the, the track this morning. Not at anything like racing speeds, of course. It was a, a basically a, a reconnoiter exercise, a familiarisation exercise. This is a great track because it's got plenty of long straights for the faster cars to, to pass the slower cars, but it is technical. I'm not sure it's got plenty of long straights. It's certainly it's got two. two. Ones, yeah. um, but the, the first bit of the lap is very technical indeed. It's mm. left, right, left, right, and then finally you, and you, there are certain curbs that you don't clip as an apex point. There are certain parts of the curb that you certainly do clip and it's also about exiting the corner at the right trajectory bearing in mind where the track goes next and because it's flowing because there's momentum involved if you muck up one corner that potentially then mucks up the next two or three because you're out of position so you can lose quite a bit of lap time just purely from one tiny mistake yeah i, I think um the, the, the message that I got from they may not have felt like racing speed to you but from where I was sitting <laughs> but that's possibly because my my standards are different from yours um, I've seen you drive that's nonsense <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll try and uh, and I think but, the magistrates may have something to say about that as well Mr Truswell um, only if they've got good memories touch wood touch wood anyway um, but yes there is a clear line and that's the line you want to be on but the problem with a race like this is your ability to 
deal with traffic Correct. and to know where you go off the line in order to get past the car in front and where you say, no, no, I'm just going to lose a few tenths on this lap because I don't want to overtake you here. I'm going to overtake you there. Uh, and it's that kind of ability to make quick decisions based on uh, where you're going to overtake, how you're going to deal with the traffic that you're overtaking. If you're in a midfield car, how you're going to deal with being mm. overtaken by other cars. Had a quick chat with uh, Evo Broikers, who's a, a longtime friend of Radio Le Mans.com and uh, one of the uh, prime movers uh, behind this race and the Creventic series, the FIA uh, International Endurance Series now. And... He was, because I was kind of, not complaining, but kind of suggesting that uh, there were too many cars to make, uh, to make it possible to have a clean race. And it was inevitable there was going to be contact at some point or another. Um, and his response was, no, no, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's part of the skill of driving is being able to deal with the traffic. If you, if you get rid of all the other cars, it just becomes a race um, without the driver being able to demonstrate his skill and part of the way that a driver demonstrates his skill is being able to put in fast laps at the same time as dealing with traffic and, and that was one of the things that we said about the uh, the brackets that we used to run here about whether it was worthwhile even having the faster bracket because everybody had to keep up with that pace and it's difficult to do more difficult now with more cars uh, talk of possibly a cap on the uh, the entries next year um, and I think more to do with paddock space than anything out on the circuit in fairness the, the, the circuit license is, uh, is is plenty good enough well it's, I, a, it's 105 yeah um, it's 105 if they're all the same if it's multi-class it's only 100 yeah um, but uh, the, again as you say John it's part of I think it's part of endurance racing that you have to deal with traffic they're all GT cars-ish, touring cars as well, but you have clearly defined classes within that that gives you a true feeling of multi-class racing. It's not prototypes and GTs mm. like we mm. see at Le Mans, but because these GT3 cars are such quick cars and the very pinnacle of, dare we say it, affordable. I'm not even sure that they are that affordable anymore, but the, the, the pinnacle of privateer-style GT racing then then clearly those are if you like the Audis and the Porsches and the Toyotas and the, the Nissan P cars if we were looking at a Le Mans mm. field because there is that much difference 7, 10, 15 seconds a lap sometimes mm. sometimes more if you've got the right right driver in wrong mm. in, in one car and a sl slightly less experienced driver in a, in a Clio Cup car my, my, my concern is that it, there tends to be an optimum number where the circuit just deals with the traffic. And if you go over that optimum number, then you get clashes. And clashes lead to yellow flag periods, purple mm. periods, code 60s. Um, and we then get rid of a few more cars. Johnny and I were looking through the purple periods we had uh, in last year's race. And at the beginning of the race, there was a regularity about it that about every hour there'd be a purple period. Get some racing, an hour of clear racing, and it would be another purple period. Got to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and suddenly we had four hours yeah. purple period. And then we had six hours before a purple period. And it's almost as if that threshold, we got down to it, and everybody got used to what they were doing, got used to the traffic, and it then flowed nicely. And my concern about this year's race is that we're going to have some 
purple periods which are going to spoil the race through no fault of the fact that there's just too many cars out there kind of thing it's when the m25 gets too many cars on it and it all snarls up and grinds to a halt um just under and it works all right like a saturation point basically absolutely, you know yeah, your water table right. and you just get to a point where um it floods yeah yeah precisely and and, and the incidents are going to happen the regularity a saturated solution in chemistry it will yeah, not take yes, anymore. Precisely, yeah. It's like sh it's like stirring sugar into water, isn't it? Mr. Elliot will be proud of me, although he never wrote <laughs> nice things about me when I was in his chemistry chemistry class. Uh, it's the top twelve now that are A6 GT3 cars. The best of the 997 category uh, is the 46 MRS GT Racing Porsche. Uh, this is one of the 991 Cup cars, but it, it's basically 997 is a Porsche Cup class. Uh, best of, and it's still 997s and A6s all the way down to the, almost the bottom of the first page. Top 25 then, A6s and 997 class cars, so Porsche 991s and 997 Cup cars. The first of the A5 cars. Number 80. Is number 80. Thank you, Paul. Um, now, A5, what class is that that we've got to get our head round? Oh, other page required. Um... A5s are These, three, and a half, three to three and a half litre, 1,200 kilos. It's almost a BMW class. Uh, there's a lot of M3s, uh, and uh, in fact, they're all E46s or some form of M3s, and indeed that Czech Republic number 80 RTR Projects car is a car that we've talked about uh, before, as we have with our next visitors to the airwaves the winners from the Sandvort uh, 12 hours 3 plus 9 uh, Nick Tierman is down in the pit lane down with uh, Christian Frankenhauer Christian it's uh, been a few months I spoke to you after your uh, very good run at Zandvoort uh, what's the difference between Zandvoort and Dubai well first of all there are a lot a lot a lot more cars here than there were in Zandvoort well Max Mayer's 100 now there are 95 cars so it will be I think a busy 24 hours. It's, um, you can't get, have a free lap, and you have to have, yeah, have a, a little bit of luck, but also be very, very careful uh, during the 24 hours. How, how different is it for the team to attack a 24-hour race compared to that three plus nine, which you were so successful in? Well, three plus nine is like maybe the three hour you can see as like a sprint race. Nine hours more is endurance, and 24 hours is just a full endurance race. You have to. You think very differently, it's uh, different for the mind, you, you drive through, through the night now, that's one what wasn't the case in Zandvoort, um, and also yeah, it's 24 hours, you know, it's the whole body, it's the whole team, you know, the first 12 hours are the easiest, the last are always the toughest. You're one of a, uh, a phalanx of uh, Mercedes SL uh, coupe cars racing here, I mean, what can you do to your car to differentiate it, make it, make it quicker than the other uh, Mercedes? Well. In all all the, the, the GT3 cars are like two, two, three, four years old now. So every team has, I think, has its best setup already ha has it. So there's not a much difference between the SLS uh, cars, I think. Um, like uh, next year, they're coming a lot of new cars, the new, the new GT, new Audi, new Porsche. So after that, then, then it will be a little bit different. But I think all teams know the car very well now. So I don't think there's... A, a lot of difference but yeah it's 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 now hot 
and you have to have a good mix for the car in the cold and in the hot weather conditions. So that is maybe the, 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 the key. Of course, one of the big differences this year, this is now an official FIA series. Do you see you in the team doing the whole series, doing all the races or just picking out two or three? Actually, last year, we did actually all the uh, all the races with the SLS except for, for Dubai. Now we're doing Dubai as well, so we are doing the whole series as, as whole for racing. Um, I think this, the, 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 the step to a Fiat championship is a good step. It makes it a little bit more professional, um, but I think it's a good mix. Um, you know, Blancpain is like the super, uh, super pro series, and I think the 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 Grandex series are a little bit below that. But I think it's very good because it's also a mixture of the slow and the faster cars. So per class, you have winners, so you have more winners in this series than yeah, you know, in Blancpain you have only you have the pro and the amateur and the gentleman. So here's more more yeah, possibility for everybody. Now, of course, one thing that does change is last year the preventing races were all one-offs and you wanted to win them. This time, of course, there's a championship. Is that going to affect the way you approach races at certain times and just look to score points rather than make that extra position? Well, I think for for a lot of teams, it's you to do, like, a ch endurance championship. So I think maybe the first three, four races... You, people think it's a one-off and at the end I think they will think about okay now it's a championship how can I do can I get first second or third can I get on the podium and then they will think okay then maybe I have to take no not so much risk anymore at the end of the championship Chris you wish you would see best of the weekend thanks for talking to us thank you Nick Tierman down in the pit lane 87.6 is Autodrome FM around Motor City here in Dubai John Heindorf in the booth with Paul Trustwell and Johnny Palmer and it's uh, Nick Damon and Bruce Jones down in the pitch we'll have Joe Bradley uh, with him uh, shortly at Specutainment and uh, at Radio Le Mans uh, of course on the uh, on the Twitter the top 25 has been interrupted by the SP3 leader now and that is Bradley Ellis in the Genetta G55 GT4, this is one of the 3.7-litre uh, cars. There is a, uh, also the 167, which is the Nova Race entry. They've got a couple of them. They're three-and-a-half-litre cars. And I would have thought the G55 um, is a phenomenal car for this event. The G50 is a, a 3.5, of course. Uh, now, that is effectively... It's getting close to a, G, uh, to a GT4. I'm guessing that's a GT4 spec car. Something similar to what I raced in the Super Cup earlier, uh, or last year now. It's early in the season. Yes, I mean, the, the SP3 class, John, is uh, designed to be GT4 yeah. um, in its class. And you can run at a number of different weights uh, your choice and depending on what weight you run um, depends on how much fuel you're allowed to take on board at each pit stop so if you run to the 750 kilo uh, minimum weight uh, then you're only allowed to take on 70 litres whereas if you run to 1300 kilos you're allowed to take on 110 now I don't mm. know quite what um, the Ginetta for example will be running to but uh, that'll be one of the things that we're finding out um, as the weekend progresses uh, in any case though sp3 has a minimum reference lap time of two minutes and 10 seconds uh, if you run to that 
However, you can run to a slightly slower minimum reference lap time. I love minimum reference lap times. Um, I do, I actually like in, in SP3, I mean, you were talking about the bracket times, which is what these equivalent, uh, they, they come out to. Um, but you can have an extra 10 litres of fuel. So yeah. you can kind of pay your money and take your choice as to how you want to run it. So uh, that time that uh, we saw, presumably it was Bradley Ellis, so two minutes 11.938 uh, is serving that car's intent and possibly thinking that it might be able to be uh, have the choice of running in either um, subcategory, if you will, within the uh, the SP3 it, class. It is the only SP3 car that's out in is this okay. test session. There's a couple of SP2s uh, further down the field. I mean, that is the key to this. You know, you look at your driving talent, Paul, and I, and I know people say, no, just let them run as fast as they want. But th this is a part of... This is a part of the game here. It's a part of the tactics. You look at your driving talent and say, I've got five drivers. Two of them can do a 210. Two of them would struggle to do a 210. And one of them is a 215, really, let's be honest. Mm. So why don't we run with more fuel and just ping, get the consistent... And we were, we were looking at the average lap times last year of the guys running at the sharp end of all of the reference time classes yeah, yeah. and they were the guys who were closest to without breaking out yeah and the, the, the problem with comparing average lap time with minimum reference lap time is they're not the same if your average is 2 minutes 11 then your minimum reference is going to be less than mm. 210 because you're going to be doing faster and slower laps yeah. and the key to it you're talking about drivers is is consistency you want a driver who's going to be able to go round and round and round and round in the same lap time for the whole of his one hour, hour and a half stint, whatever, whatever it's it going to be. And there is a two hour minimum this year, a maximum, maximum excuse yes. me, this <laughs> two hour minimum. That would be good endurance racing, That's I like great that idea. Racing. You must do two hours. Great idea. Like uh, there's a two hour maximum this year, which again, rather nicely falls for most people between two field stops. Yeah, it, it, yes, I mean, it depends what kind of car you're running, obviously, but uh, the smaller capacity cars won't be using as much fuel. But uh, on that subject, I would be expecting the lead cars to be coming in around about an hour or maybe 70 minutes, an hour and 10 minutes into the race. So, um, again, really too early to judge this, but uh, around about lap 35 will be uh, the first pit stops uh, come the race on Friday. Keep repeating to myself that it's Friday, a week, Friday, Friday. It's a weekend race, but the week ends on at the end of Saturday. I like the idea that the weekend starts on Friday. <laughs> I, yeah, but I think the thought of having to go to work on a Sunday doesn't quite gel so well. The great thing for us is that we'll we'll be back in the UK in time to hear Shea uh, and Jim's report from uh, the second day of the Raw before the 24. That's uh, coming to you this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. We'll uh, have. Uh, some reports uh, an hour or so each day from Daytona and the Raw before the Rolex 24 it will be Shea Adam and Jim Roller on site for us there uh, bringing you some driver interviews and the latest news as we get ready for our exclusive live coverage of the Tudor United Sports Car Championship coming up later on this month it's a busy start to the season for us here at RadioLamont.com I, I, I 
don't think you mentioned it, but we've had a new fastest lap in the session, uh, John. Adam Christodoulou, having uh, been Nick inspired. speaks to him and inspires, yes, <laughs> inspires the fastest lap. Uh, or makes him so angry that he just goes out and takes it out on the uh, Ram Racing Mercedes SLS. So uh, Adam Christodoulou, fastest lap of this uh, private test session, so a- absolutely meaningless in terms of uh, what it uh, contributes to the rest of the weekend, but uh, serving notice nevertheless of what that uh, Mercedes is capable of. Two minutes, 1.36 fastest lap uh, of the session then uh, for Adam Christodoulou just been into the pits and had a quick pit stop and has gone out on his way again second fastest in the session is still the number one Porsche which was Rolf in Eichen at the time that it set its time of 2 minutes 1.501 third fastest is the number 14 Mercedes SLS of uh, Abu Dhabi Racing Black Falcon uh, and that's done at 2 minutes 1.878 and fourth fastest is number 6 the Gravity Racing SLS uh, which has Vincent Radamecca, Eric Lux, Gerard Lopez Loris de Sordi and Andy Ruhan uh, on the driving crew and yes it is that Eric Lux and Gerard Lopez uh, of Formula 1 fame it is yes well, we did um, have a Formula 1 team principal win this race at the very first uh, time of asking when it ran the first time that being total Wolf. sorry John I might have missed my cue a car was right next to me uh, let's head down to the uh, to the pit lane Bruce Jones is standing patiently waiting uh, to uh, talk to uh, one of the drivers from the GTL racing Mercedes-Benz this is the San Marino entry and it has Max Brahms along with Max Nathan you're looking Hansen. a little warm not too much time out on the track how many laps did you manage to get in in 67 yeah, we drove uh, five laps this afternoon and uh, there's a lot of sand on the track. For me, it's a new car with air conditioning, so that's good. <laughs> now, obviously, many drivers have already spoken, 95 cars. That makes it a very, very busy bit of track. And this afternoon, maybe only half of those are out. Yeah, I think it's a record for Preventic, uh, the 95 cars. At this moment, I think 40, 50 cars are driving. It's already quite busy. Uh, I've already seen a Clio on, uh, in the flames. A Porsche on the side, on the straight. Uh, lots happen, and uh, only an hour after we started. So, yeah. Obviously, each year you seem to go to a more powerful car. You've stepped up to the SLS. What are you finding it like to drive? This is the first time you've ever driven it. Yeah, I drove a Corvette a GT3, uh, I think, two years ago in Zandvoort. And to go to an SLS from a Clio Cup, which I did this year, it's uh, yeah, it's three times the horsepower. It's amazing. It's a really good car. Uh, a lot of horsepower, a lot of downforce, and uh, yeah, it will take some time to uh, to manage it also. You've got a good crew. Your father, Luke's just gone out in the car. Hannes Weimer, and um, who's the fourth driver? Let me have a think. It's, um, I forgot. Oh, I've fluffed it. It's car 67. Oh, it's Duncan Heisman. Of course it is. Duncan Heisman. How could I forget? He just walked to the back of the garage. But you must fancy your chances in this race. Good strong lineup, as I say. Now I remember all of them. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, with Duncan, he's a good teacher. Uh, he helps me a lot with the car. He drove it last year. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, are you going to get out again this afternoon? I know the session's been a little bit stop-start, but the plan is for you to go out again. Yeah, the intention is to drive two sessions, to do some daytime between, and uh, my father's driving now. Then Duncan jumps in, I get in, and uh, if there's enough time, I've got a dozen listed. Okay, Max, best of luck. Thank you very much. And gentlemen, that's what happens when your aid memoir is the car, and then it drives off with one of the names on its <laughs> roof that you can no longer see.
next uh, time I'll carry my notes with me. Uh, Bruce is uh, is legendary in this race for memorising every car and driver combination and being able to tell you what colour they are as well. And he's, he's already been demonstrating how good he is. Uh, Stuart Hall has just got out in the 69 car. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to uh, uh, sing Bruce's praises a little bit more in the sense that... Uh, not only does he commit it all to memory, but he then is able to somehow uh, continue to keep it in his mind afterwards. Because last year, I remember, uh, we were in the hotel after the race and uh, he was still able to tell us who was driving in which cars, by which time I had long since ceased to worry about it. I have to admit. That had been dumped. That had been downloaded. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got rid of it as a useful piece of information already. There's only so much, of course, that you can store in your brain, so you have to keep losing things. Right, into the pits has come a task for either Bruce or Nick because I was being thrown by the Black Falcon Mercedes numbers two and three because we've got a number 14. We have, uh, and that's not on the list. Which was worrying Johnny as well. <laughs> yes, it set the uh, third fastest time, uh, two minutes, 1.878, uh, and it stopped outside the number two garage. So the Black Falcon Mercedes, uh, although it's actually in the number three's colours because the number two is a white one um, Black Falcon Mercedes helpfully have their two team cars in two completely different colours so it makes them easy to uh, differentiate uh, so it's the number three which seems to be playing uh, as number 14 okay. um, possibly just for this practice session and uh, there may be another Mercedes lurking because uh, Black Falcon have history here and uh, so that, that may be what's going on uh, down there in the pits John uh, well, just uh, to remind everyone, it's 87.6, Autodrome FM, uh, and around the world at RadioLamont.com. It is the Hankook Dubai 24 hours for 2015. The Hankook 24 hours of Dubai on RadioLamont.com. Our Nismal-powered uh, coverage of the Hankook Dubai 24 Hours continues with uh, Johnny Palmer, Paul Truswell and John Hindover in the booth, Nick Taman and Bruce Jones uh, down in the pit lane. Joe Bradley's grabbing a bite to eat at the moment. but He will be uh, taking over from one of the guys. It's a busy schedule here. Uh, it is Wednesday through to Saturday, as Paul was saying earlier on. But the welcome barbecue tonight, and then we've got practice and qualifying tomorrow, all live here on RadioLamont.com, of course, and then the race starting 2 o'clock local time, 10 o'clock in the UK, on Friday for 24 hours. In sound and vision at the series website, uh, and uh, I'm just looking for confirmation for this. Uh, are, we getting, uh, are we getting an embed uh, player of the, uh, of the video game, as we have had? Uh, that we're hoping to, so that'll be on RadioLamont.com as well. And for those of you in the UK, um, Freeview Channel 71 or Sky Channel 447 uh, Thursday and Friday's events covered on Motors TV that's uh, uh, call the qualifying and the night practice uh, as well as the whole race on Saturday uh, Friday and Saturday coming to you on Motors TV but if you're around the world we will still be having streaming video uh, as well and uh, for regular listeners it is Wednesday midweek Motorsport uh, will come as, as a special programme live here from the Dubai Autodrome later on this afternoon at the end of this session. Uh, so that will be 5 o'clock local, that's 1 o'clock in the UK, 
for two hours. Uh, then we've got our Formula One review with Nick Damon and myself trawling through the on and off, off track action of last year's FIA Formula One season. And uh, then we will have a repeat of Midweek Motorsport at its normal 8 o'clock hour in the UK. So 2000 GMT for the repeat. But if you want to hear it live, it's 1 o'clock uh, in the afternoon uh, in the UK. A little bit earlier, just like we do uh, at Le Mans when we have track action. Sven Muller goes up into fifth position in the, uh, the number 12. This is the FAC Autotech Porsche, one of the 997s. Martin Raginger, uh, the big name in that car. Otto Klaus and uh, Jens Richter, uh, we have talked about before on these airwaves. And in fact, good. it looks like it might have been Jens that did the time. 202180, good enough for fifth, Paul. Yeah, good uh, driver lineup in uh, that car Jeez, as man. well. And, uh, you know, if, if there's a dark horse Porsche apart from the Stadler Motorsports uh, <laughs> one, then uh, that might be one to look out for as well. Um, Mercedes Black Falcon uh, update for you having sat down and studied it a little bit and there is now a traffic jam outside that pit as in, in time. oh my goodness is there ever deserves to have a traffic jam in my view because what Black Falcon are actually doing is running three Mercedes um, having what is it three years ago when they crashed one uh, in this equivalent session the private test session um, and then had to go and buy one from the um, from the, from the Jones boys. Uh, Jones boys, uh, that's right. Um, this year they've come well prepared because they've got three cars and they've actually practiced all three of them. Um, I'm now uh, have managed to work out. Uh, uh, the number two uh, has done a two minutes 7.449. The number three has done a two minutes 14.905. Uh, and the number 14 is the quick one. That's done a two minutes, 1.878. So uh, Abdulaziz Al-Faisal is out at the moment in number two. Karen Blakemolen is out at the moment in number three. Um, and the number 14 uh, has just gone off to the fueling station. Um, and then it's going to be out on the track as well. So there's going to be three uh, Black Falcon cars out there. Um, two of them entered under the Abu Dhabi racing banner. Um, which is why you say, I got confused between the 3 and the 14, for they are both in the same colours. Yeah, they're, they're using the session quite wisely, because what they're actually doing is, uh, obviously, they're all uh, very experienced at the uh, Dubai 24, and, the, and a lot of them even more experienced in Middle East racing in general. They've all done the Dubai 24 hours before, so they are obviously shaking down the cars, but they're also bedding in brakes and pads, so they'll have those first three or four laps done when they have to do the, uh, the brake and pad changeovers during the race. Most cars need to change at least once. I know the Z4 has to change twice, uh, normally. I try to avoid it now with a hot disc, trying to burn myself. Um, the cars at the moment actually are quite neutrally wrapped for a Black Falcon. We've got them all uh, mainly wrapped in black with some flashings. The car in front of each of the two has a, a kind of a, a wrapping paper green, really. I think it's the time you see the shiny green is when it's, it's covering your Christmas presents. You don't see it in any other walk of life. Uh, and they are all core black at the moment, but who knows what they look like. They, they could rebuild a car in a day, so they certainly change the colour of one, no problem whatsoever. 
Can you find out, Nick, um, by your usual investigative journalism and uh, subtle questioning, um, whether teams like Black Falcon are also working out how Hankook tyres um, behave? Because you're absolutely right, of course, to say how experienced Black Falcon are in this race. But of course, Hankook tyres are a bit of a, um, a new thing for them to have to work with. And a team like them, in my view, are going to be wanting to optimise very much what the tyres are doing. And uh, that may be part of what they're trying to do there. Well, interestingly, and I don't want to say anything out of place here, uh, the tyre currently put on to the number two car is an Avon. Um, but uh, I think that's because... It's, no, they have been... They're actually running Avons. They're running Avons on the number two car. Um, I don't know why is the answer to that question. They have a, put on a set of uh, travelling intermediates, but the slick that came off was also an Avon. So they aren't even running Hankook tyres at all, Paul, at the moment. It's an excellent point you make. Uh, we have no idea whether the Hankook tyres will be faster or slower than Dunlop's of previous years, but certainly individual classes may be different. And, of course, the reference times haven't changed. So uh, that's a big, big variable. But at the moment, the Black Falcon uh, number 2 car uh, is running on Avons. So I have no idea is the answer. Quite, quite well. <laughs> See, uh, Snoop, Snoop Damon gets uh, another story. Um, but fascinating that because, obviously, uh, there's nothing to stop them. This is a private test from running other than the Hankook tyres. But what I find interesting is what they're going to learn by doing that um, because the, the car may uh, behave totally different to when it comes out in uh, the official qualifying sessions as a result of that. Uh, however, uh, another car has set fastest lap, uh, and that is the number 15 Glorax Racing Ferrari. It's just come into the pits, actually, that car, number 15, um, very bright silver, and a multinational um, driver lineup. Uh, the Italian Reno Mastronardi, the Greek driver Dimitri de Vericos, the Italian Gabriele Lancieri, the Spaniard Isaac Tutumtu, uh, and the Russian Andrea Alexandrovich. Uh, so five drivers of different nationalities running, as you would expect, um, for a, a, a multi. Uh, driver like multinational driver lineup like that under the Swiss flag uh, in their Ferrari, and they've just set the fastest lap of the session so far. Two minutes 1.300 uh, is the fastest lap. As I say, that car now uh, coming back into the pits. And Joe Bradley is there. I am indeed, John. Uh, it's, a, it's I've got to say, just so I can get uh, in here, it's uh, it's what an event this is uh, turning out to be. My first, and uh, I'm certainly overwhelmed with the fever but uh, as you were speaking about the number 15 Ferrari I think Paul mentioned that you uh, uh, it, it's gone fastest uh, in the hits group or even overall, overall. Well, Isaac Tutumalu has just brought the car in Isaac I believe your car has gone fastest yeah it's quite good I mean the team knows really what they're doing they are very experienced with the Ferrari and uh, I'm not that mad but I had the chance to race with a Ferrari in the Gulf Dual Powers for my first time so it's a really nice car to drive easy to drive to handle the only thing here, we'll have to manage with the traffic, because there's a lot of traffic. I didn't have any clear lap, but the car feels good for the race. Now we have to work for the qualifying setup, which will be different, but for the, for the race will be good like this. I would imagine traffic's going to be the story of the whole 24 hours. It's a very, a very tight track here, and do you think that's going to come into place? Is it going to be all about staying clean? You know, in the Dubai 24 hours, it's crazy because we have so many cars, so many different classes. Professional drivers, gentlemen drivers, we all want to have fun and we all want to win. So what we have to do, try to overtake as fast as possible without making a crash, that we, we destroy our car, we destroy the other's car, 
But at the same time, the other cars that they are slower, they have to look after all the time. The car coming faster to let him pass easily. So it's a medium we have to do between both things without losing time. And, uh, you know, we mentioned you've gone fastest, but I'm sure that in this session, that's not what this session's about. Tell us, what, what are you, what is this session about for your team? What are you looking for? I just did the first spin because I want to see the car was good, everything okay. Now it's going to jump the other drivers on the car. They have, some of them, they have to learn the track. I already know it from last year. So it's just about learning the car, learning the, learning the track. We, the first time for us, we race together. So we have to know each other. And after the race, we do a big debrief about the, after, after a private test, sorry. We do a big debrief about the car, about the team, about the strategy. And uh, basically, we will try to have a setup for the race and one setup for qualifying. Maybe I will jump at the end of the session to see the car with qualifying setup. And that's all. Most of it, mileage, 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 and for the non-experienced drivers. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Isaac. You, I've never met you before. You're a new name to Radio Le Mans. Yeah. Uh, you are Spanish, but you told me that your mother's Kurdish, is it? My, my, my father is Kurdish. Right. I was born in Barcelona. I'm half Spanish, half Catalan, half Kurdish. I've been racing my whole life. I, did, uh, I began with go-kart with only two years old. And uh, I didn't have the chance to do it professionally until 20 because my family didn't want me to be professional because they were scared and all that. Finally, I moved myself and I got my sponsors, everything. And step by step, I did Porsche Super Cup, GT Open, Daytona 24 hours. And uh, I have in my plans maybe next year, this year, do 24 hours of Le Mans and the World Endurance Championship. And if not, maybe the Blanc Pain. So I'm going to make it one step more professional on my career. Well, you're doing something right so far. Well done, Isaac. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much. Joe Bradley making uh, his first appearance of the new year on RadioLamont.com. 87.6 on Autodrome FM around the Motor City area here in Dubai. Fantastic. Still can't see the coastline. Oh, no, hang on a second. Is that, is that the Burj Al Arab just, yeah, you can just, just see the Arab, starting uh, to come out of the... Uh, out yeah. of the out of the dust in the distance. It's sailing into view as a very good. ship should. Very good. Yes. Very good. Uh, two hours and 42 minutes of this session to go. Well, Isaac uh, Tatumalu, new name on uh, us here, but uh, fastest by 0 0.060 of a second on our BRM timing screens. BRM, the official watch and timing partner of uh, Kravendnik and uh, this event. Adam Christodoulou's time still in second place. Christian Engelhardt in the Stadler Motorsport Porsche in third, winners from last year. And the Jens Richter time, fourth position for the FAC Auto Tech number 12 cast. The Abu Dhabi uh, racing Black Falcon number 14 in fifth and winding up the top six. The number 28 is Stefan Mucker in the KPM racing Aston Martin GT3. Think that's the only Aston Martin GT3, but there's another, there's another Aston in a different category. Uh, best of the 997, still the 46 car, and that is now 20th overall. Some uh, interest, Nick Damon, in what the guys were doing there in this mm. session, running a tyre that they can't run in the in the race. What are they expecting to learn, or are they just I, learning the track? Well, I'm going to lean him, because Jaron is Jaron uh, Bikerman from the uh, Black Falcons, the double winner in uh, 12 and 13. He's still sitting in the car, and there's a lovely fat sill on a Mercedes. We've got a lovely seat. This is very comfortable interviewing, I can tell you. Yeah, and first of all, welcome uh, back to the Dubai, a, a race you've kind of made your own over a few years, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, it's a great uh, event to start the year, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it again. We have a strong team, so uh, yeah, we're going to try to win it again. Uh, competition is tough, but uh, well, we should be pretty good. 
Now, one of the big changes this year, of course, at the event is the change to Hankook tyres. But I notice your car's running around on Avon's. Why are you using Avon tyres and not the race tyres? Yeah, well, this is a brand new car, so I'm just betting everything and driving into drive shafts and so on. So uh, we didn't want to waste a set of new Hankook tyres. Is it also that you actually know what the Avons do? Have you actually run at all? Has the team run at all with the new Hankook tyres? No, not yet. So uh, later on, we'll put them on and then we'll see uh, what they're like. But uh, we don't know anything about it yet. Now, this year, there's even more cars than normal, more fast cars and, of course, more slow cars. Is that, how does that affect your approach or is it just something you accept now with the Dubai 24 hours? Oh, it's going to be really, really busy. And that is, I think, uh, going to be the main thing, staying out there, survive. Don't crash with, uh, with back markers and uh, see you still out there after like 14 or 16 hours. Because, now, uh, of course, this is now an international series, FIA approved. Were you disappointed to see that when you win this, you won't get any points for your super license? Uh, yeah, actually, I, yeah, I would have hoped that uh, I could get, get my, uh, pick up my super license already now, but uh, no, I'm not good enough. And, and as a Dutchman, you're far too old to be an F1. You're, you know, 17 the oldest now, isn't it? Yeah, but Jan Lammers and people like that show that they can still drive when they're old, so uh, I keep to that. <laughs> Thank you very much, and good luck with the new tyres. I, I feel that Nick Damon has rolled in a hand grenade that we'll be picking up in midweek motorsport uh, in about two hours and 39 minutes time when the, this session uh, is over. It is your usual uh, weekly uh, doors series 10 episode one. Uh, it's usually weekly uh, helping of, uh, of motorsport news and comment and uh, that will be immediately following this session. Our Formula One review follows that and then at eight o'clock tonight UK time it's the repeat of midweek motorsport so if you're in the office now listening to us quietly on a set of headphones uh, in work time and frankly why wouldn't you uh, and you perhaps can't listen to us at, uh, at the time that this finishes um, that this uh, practice session finishes uh, then we will be replaying midweek motorsport at its normal slot at eight o'clock uh, UK time this evening and then back of course with practice and qualifying uh, qualifying and night practice tomorrow should I say and then the race Friday and Saturday just looking down at the Miltech uh, Golf back in the pit lane now the 138 car Tom Onslow Colt uh, among the driving talent of that here for the first time of endurance last year. He's really taken to this kind of thing. Can I be picky for a minute, John? Yes. Uh, it's not night qualifying, it's night, night practice. practice. Yeah. Um, because the times don't count for your grid position. That's done during the qualification session. Uh, although... I'm not even sure you have to do night laps uh, in order to qualify. I'll have to just double-check on that one. Um, but as far as qualification times are concerned, they all have to be done during qualifying times. And indeed, they don't count, specifically don't count, uh, in the night practice. So if you've had a problem during qualifying, you can't uh, rescue yourself during the night uh, practice session because it's night practice rather than night qualifying. So with uh, the time here, almost 25 minutes past two in the afternoon, just starting to clear off as we look uh, northwards towards the coast here in Dubai. We've had uh, 63 cars out, so that's what two thirds of the field have decided to come out and do this non mandatory test. This is extra. 
running for all of these guys. Although one of them, don't forget, is uh, the extra car from Black Falcon. So there's only True. 62 rather than 63 proper proper cars. Um, that's not to say the Black Falcon Mercedes is not a proper car, but uh, entered for it, the race. Yes. Yes. Um, no, it's an interesting answer actually from uh, Blake Bolin. Well done. Hats off to uh, Nick for uh, getting uh, her own to tell us about it. Because in a sense, um, I suspect that they would prefer to have the car on a known quantity whilst they set it up and then once they get it set up then they can start dealing with the uh, um, vagaries or otherwise of uh, what the Hankook tyres are going to are going to do. Um, of course the, the brilliant thing about having a single tyre supplier for the whole uh, event is that everybody's in the same boat. It's just that, as I say uh, earlier on, it's that some teams will try and optimise every little thing, whereas others will just say, well, everybody's in the same boat, we're all using Hankook, but others may start playing with camber angles and suspension settings in order to get the best out of the tyres. Uh, Johnny is with us, Johnny Palmer, for the first time, his first uh, taste of the uh, Middle East, frantically, tippity-tapping away uh, on his computerised notes. What are you doing? I'm trying to get to car identification right, so colours of cars, specific uh, decals perhaps that you can, you know, okay. pick and choose between certain cars. Uh, one or two have very similar paint jobs, obviously we, if they're in the same team, there are a couple of Porsches knocking around, I think it's 26 and 27 and I'm struggling to tell the difference between those two, no, 25 and 26 in the 997 class, they're white with lime green flashes, I'm hoping they've got different door mirrors, because otherwise I can't split them. Um, That's the, the two Black Falcon Porsches, actually. And the 991 Cup cars. Yeah, okay, 25 and 26. Yeah, that'd be about right. And uh, the three SP2 Mark. Oh, no, they're right. They're, eights, the, uh, we've seen those at Bathurst. They're almost impossible to tell apart. No, no, you can tell them apart this weekend. They look cracking. I mean, there's three specific paint schemes on those uh, Aussie Mark car machines but 91 92 93 they're always right together in pit lane of course and at the moment the 91 car is in which is principally black blue and white door open at the moment and you can see the second one just pulled up behind they've got very different paint jobs on because the 93 is white with the kind of yellow driver's door and then the blue passenger door but there are three kind of bespoke paint schemes they work really hard on those SP cars, so they are silhouette machines essentially. You uh, yeah, it's a, it is a space a frame chassis, isn't it? Very, very interesting project, particularly with the state of Aussie V8s at the moment and the, uh, I think, winding down as everybody has been talking about for many years, our Australian colleagues and Phil Anson, who is our invaluable assistant here at the Autodrome, is a, 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 an expat Aussie who I think like many people look at the V8 series at the moment and kind of puts head in hands and with the, the end of car manufacturing in Australia by everyone now, even the indigenous manufacturers, no, no Aussie Fords no Aussie Holdens in the next few years the question is what will the next set of regulations be for Aussie V8s and this is a suggestion, it's not necessarily the answer but this is a space frame chassis at the moment with a Ford V8 driving the rear wheels, looking like a Ford Focus, but it can look like anything. Yeah. And that, and that okay. you know, that's the key to it. It's very clever. We saw them at Bathurst uh, last year, and, and gl glad to see them here. And uh, there was Amfort as well, actually, if I remember rightly. Nick Damon, 
We are used to seeing some odd things here. Yes, not always me either. True. Uh, 20 feet. No, last year we saw a man who, from uh, one of the teams who had a very fantastic uh, sort of Swarco race suit, which was full Austrian national garb. I think he's brought his friends with him now, the 162 SP3 uh, Ginetta. Um, that is being pushed to screws new, which just blow you. And the entire team is in Austrian garb. It's not often. Walking up the pit lane, you see seven sets of lederhosen, it has to be said. And three uh, young ladies uh, dressed... But not even for you. No, exactly. Three young ladies dressed in, in traditional uh, garb. Uh, the team manager, uh, they push the car on the way scars now with their lovely embroidered pockets. Um, there's a good pinafore action as well from the girls. So uh, I, I wouldn't recommend this as a... As a uh, outfit to actually work on the car because none of it was flame retardant or heat proof but it's certainly making a, a, a splash on promoter uh, test day and uh, I would think that they're, they're, they're embracing their Austrian-ness which is rather nice and I, I think it's very nice to see that uh, that you've gone for you your Freddie Mercury uh, tribute today uh, obviously, you'll be back in uh, RadioLamont.com gear I will for indeed. TV. But yeah, well, it, those leather trousers uh, with the studs are fantastic. It was a nightmare getting the half the half length microphone pole attached to the radio mic, though. It's just, it's been, it's been, I've been poking drivers in the eye whilst I've been talking to them. Yeah, I thought he was looking more like the original Steve. Yeah. <laughs> All in black. All in black. The man in black is. It's more uh, like Johnny Cash fastest, than Freddie Mercury. New fastest lap of the session, which again we haven't mentioned yet. Stefan Mucker. Uh, we said he was going more quickly for he had improved uh, on his uh, previous lap, I think. Well, he's now gone fastest of all in the KPM Aston Martin. Uh, and that's now done two minutes, 1.155 uh, to head the uh, time list. Paul White and Johnny Adam, the other two drivers in that lineup. And it looks like it's going to be uh, a three driver lineup from them. Um, Aston Martin having run three drivers at the Nürburgring 24 hours last year as well so uh, they plainly think it can be done and uh, in some ways I do tend to agree that uh, drivers focus for a 24 hour race is held uh, far better if there's only three of them but uh, anyway so Stefan Booker is now the quickest two minutes 1.155 Johnny is looking at I think that me very quizzically well I presume when you talk about three drivers, you're just talking about the A6 class, because there are cars elsewhere in the field that are only running two drivers. Yes. Um, which is brave. Which is very brave, because if anything goes wrong, you're stumped. Um, <laughs> that, that might, by the time we get the full list on Thursday, that might have changed. Okay. As I say, if you tell Joe Bradley, he'll be there with his helmet and uh, say, do you want to drive the driver? Do you want another driver? And speaking of Joe Bradley... Do you want another driver? <laughs> Joseph. Yeah, when you, you guys were, uh, were were waxing lyrical about the uh, the Mark Australia Ford Focus, uh, as I was standing right next to the car, and uh, I can tell you, it may look like a Ford Focus, but from the inside, it looks like something out of a DTM. And uh, it being from Australia, I suppose we could call this the, a Ford Focus My uh, Beep. Um, I'm not sure if I can say that no. word. It is Australian. Um, I'm the, the guy that I had with me who was going to explain a little bit give us a little bit of insight as to how the cars are made up has uh, had to disappear the uh, the Mark Australia uh, team have got a garage of three of these uh, cars and uh, I can tell you these are the real deal yes they're a tubular space frame chassis what, uh, from what I can see the driver is virtually sitting uh, in the rear footwell of what would be the passenger seat uh, in DTM style, and sort of a his his uh, his eye line is uh, alongside the uh, the centre door panel. Um, so that's how far back in the car. Everything really low, um, proper race car. 
So I look forward to seeing these and uh, and just how competitive the, uh, they are in the in the field overall. Because no doubt about it, they uh, they certainly look the part. Yeah, and uh, when you hear them fire up that big five-liter Ford V8, uh, which I, I think is a is a it's a South African engine. No. Uh, Sorry, John. I'll get it. I'll, they've just done that for us. I think I'll just get it at the back of it. I'm standing at the back of that car now. Ah, oh, you can hear it burble. Can you hear the burble? Yes, very nice. Very V8. Very V8. No rumble. No, I think the, you're sitting back in a, a cold, grey London or the UK at the moment. Here with that. That's just brightened up a lot of people's Wednesdays, hasn't it? That really. Thank you, Joe. Joe Bradley down there with the mark for you. I think. I actually think that's a very, very clever concept. Um, I think they've been very brave in bringing them into endurance racing effectively to help prove the cars and prove that concept. We saw them, at, as I yeah. said, at Bathurst at the 12 hours last year. Uh, I've no doubt they'll be back again this year when we're down there in, in February. And by the way, uh, front straight grandstand seats are already sold out yeah. for Bathurst this is going to be a bump of crowd at uh, the 12 hours uh, the Liquid Molly 12 hours of Bathurst uh, early February, you'll hear it here on RadioLamont.com um, it's an interesting project and I, I I kind of feel that they're in a, a bit of a tipping point with that at the moment Paul, they've proved the cars they're not competing against anything else because they're not anything else. What they're out there to do is to show the concept, and we've seen that they've run pretty reliably. They look and sound good. They could be. It doesn't have to be a Ford Focus. It could be a, you know, an Audi yeah. A3. It yeah, could yeah. be anything. And you throw the body panels on it. But I think the, the the key thing you said they're pretty reliable. It's reliability which is the Achilles heel. Mm. It's, they're too fragile for this kind of racing. You know, you look at it and think you don't want to have a a, a, a purpose spec built racer for endurance racing if you want something road car based to work well in endurance racing but if they can get it reliable and by going out and trying to make it reliable then they will get it reliable you know everybody's you know proved that you've got a fast car then get it to be reliable um then it will start making people sit up and take notice because it will be a sensible way to go endurance racing uh, and potentially of course not just endurance racing and i was talking about aussie v8 there about the, the Super V8s, their longest race is Bathurst, which is around about six hours, a thousand k, maybe a little bit longer than that, depending on how it runs. Um, those cars will be eminently suitable mm. to that and yeah. give importers, rather than the manufacturers themselves, the opportunity to take a, a space frame and go, we want to make it look like a whatever. Yeah. Out you go in racing. Mm. Now, is that the future of that type of touring car racing? I don't know, but it's an it's an interesting question to ask. And it, it will be a, the sort of category which proper drivers will be interested in participating in as well, because yeah, it's, it's a purpose built. It's a purpose built yeah. race car, exactly. yeah, and everything's adjustable. Yes, absolutely exactly. agree. Stefan Mucker, fastest uh, on the timing screens at the moment. Our BRM timing. Uh, bringing you the news that a two-minute point eight five five—that's an improvement. Fully point zero zero six of a second faster than Martin Raginger. So Aston Martin uh, ahead at the moment, uh, and that was quite recently that that was done. Martin Raginger in second place in the Fac Autotech Porsche, and third position 
with a 2-0-1-3 is the number 15 Clorox Racing, the Swiss-entered Ferrari. Yes, it did actually happen in that order, if you, if you like, yeah. John, because Raginger went quickest. Mucha was quickest, as, as you rightly, as we mentioned when it happened, two minutes, 1.155. Raginger then improved on the Mucha time uh, with a two minutes, 0 0.860. Uh, and then less than 10 seconds later, Stefan Mucha went across the line and further improved the Aston Martin's time down to the two minutes, 0 0.855. So a sudden little flurry where Raginger briefly went quickest and then Mucha took over. And with Aston Martin first, Porsche second... Ferrari third and Mercedes-Benz fourth. We have the four big mates in the GT3 class. Oh, they're at the top of the uh, they're at the top of the timings. Boring endurance racing again. No, don't do um, not start that. That's <laughs> no, true. Yeah, I've just got I've had this open for a little while now, and I've just to make the point about night practice yes, uh, please. each driver must cover a minimum of two timed laps in night practice. Uh, a timed lap is. Um, two laps over the start-finish line um, where that start-finish line extends into the pit lane. So it's an out-lap and an in-lap uh, where the out-lap is different from the in-lap uh, would count as your two-time lap. So everybody's got to do that uh, during the night practice session. But apart from that, the times that are set count for nothing. Correct. All of the qualifying will be done on Thursday afternoon local time and you'll hear it here on RadioLamont.com powered by Nismore and if you are so equipped you'll be able to watch it on Motors TV as well although we will have some streaming video up by then the, the other thing well. for qualification um, the because the qualification sessions are relatively short you can everybody has to complete two timed laps but they don't have to do the two timed laps in qualification uh, sessions they can do it in the free practice session yeah. um, as I say as a result of the fact that the actual qualifying sessions are relatively short I think they're 45 minutes or half an hour or something I um, started to scramble for the timetable even as you were starting that yes. sentence uh, the qualification we have an hour with all classes then we have half an hour of a class A1 and everything up to SP3 and then we have half an hour with A6, SP2 and 997 so it's everybody and then the more touring cars and then the more GT cars with half an hour uh, exclusively which means you get an hour and a half maximum on the track for each and class if correct got, if you've got five drivers and you're more interested in setting lap times then you may end up not uh, uh, not getting all your drivers qualified so your two uh, qualifying laps can take place in free practice if you want them to and those free practice sessions by the way half past 11 45 minutes till quarter past 12 and uh, quarter past one well that's only half an hour uh, that one to uh, quarter to three I oh, know that's sorry no that is an hour and a half again right okay um, that's tomorrow so 11.30 and 13.15 11.30 and quarter past one tomorrow are the two FP sessions Martin Ragging back to the top of the times John um, bit of a, a needle match developing I suspect between Porsche and Aston Martin on this one the FAC Auto Tech team and the uh, KPM Racing team. Ragginger's now done a 2 minute 0 0.740, a tenth of a second faster than Stefan Mucker, who is still out there in the Aston Martin, but his last lap time was a 2 minutes 2. So, uh, as I say, a bit of a, a dogfight developing in the private test session. Johnny, what have you been watching? 
Still trying to take it all in, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just letting it wash all over me at the moment and trying to uh, just see which bits stick. But uh, there's a lot to keep your your eye on, isn't there? I mean, that's the beauty, I suppose, of endurance racing is that if there's not a battle for the outright lead, you can bet there's going to be some kind of battle elsewhere in the pack. And it's almost as if we've got a kind of GT3 race and then plenty of support races all in the same race. I mean, to have 18... 997, well, 991 or 997 Cup cars. It's like you've got a Porsche Carrera Cup race within the 24 hours. And that doesn't and you've got a clear, the... clear race within it as well. And... and that doesn't account for the Porsches in other classes. No, absolutely not. No, indeed. But the, I mean, the, the 18 Cup specification Porsches mm. are, are going to be something I'm going to pay attention to. Because it's a good uh, class, and you yeah. will find what you'll see with those. They tend to go slightly longer on fuel than the A6 cars and a well-driven right. 997 Cup class let's call it the Porsche Cup class because seeing 997 there are some 991s in there it's slightly confusing but I know why it's called the 997 class it obviously is a Porsche class The but having those guys running a bit longer you will see them gradually mm-hmm. towards the end of the first hour into the first maybe as much as 90 minutes climbing up and we have had 997 Cup cars at or on the very front of the field um, through the race and they are of course they're very reliable they're a great car to drive everybody loves them and you can do so much with them that's the thing you can there's so many races that you can take them out to thundering Mercedes-Benz goes underneath us and they don't have an issue running 24 hours then because they're not designed for that length of race they're designed for what sort of 45 minute yeah 50 dash yes yeah, and but yeah, they are I mean, that good. I'm not surprised, being German machinery, and clearly Porsche have a good uh, record with their uh, A6 cars in winning this race. New Porsche GT3, FIA GT3 car, still to be really confirmed, although it's been running privately and sort of in front of cameras. You don't put one of those around the Nordschleife if you don't expect it to be uh, photographed. I was testing in Portugal, and one of the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective got some video of it to us at the back end of last year and uh, been out again as I say and had some other photographs taken of it it's still officially described by Porsche as a studio concept there was talk of them moving the engine further forward in the chassis to make it almost a mid rear engine car but uh, that extreme manoeuvre for Porsche uh, hasn't happened however I think in two or three days' time, there will be an announcement from Porsche that will have, I think, massive implications for Porsche GT racing going forward. Um, That's all we can say at the moment. I think it's this weekend. We might be able to talk about that on Saturday. But uh, a very, very significant announcement from Porsche and their future in GT racing. Uh, coming in the next few days the car count now up to 63 of the we're expecting 95 to start the race Uh, just a mere 95 and now it is the top 21 cars that are GT3 cars then the uh, 997s start to uh, come in in force and in fact 10 of the next 12 cars are 997s down to 32nd position and it is in fact 35th position before we get the 163 which 
Now that's stuck in my head for some reason. Is that a Ginetta, the 163? I think yes. it might be. Um, yes. That is the first of the SP3 cars. Uh, the SP2 leader at the moment is in 33rd position. In fact, just popped up there. That is the Mark Cars Australia Focus, the 91. Uh, and the other class leaders that are out there at the moment, the A5, Roger Gruvels, in the 78. That is in 40th position at the moment. And there is a Cup 1 class as well. Now... Cup 1 are the BMW M235 Racing Cup cars. So Cup 1 for 135. And uh, that leading car is in a creditable 47th position with the 219.4. And the A3T leader must be in the top 50 as well. Yes, it is. It's the 95. And uh, the A3T category always hard fought here that's the Seat Leon Super Copa all English driving talent with a Lebanese entered car the 95 the Memac Ovalry Dual Racing and let me just see if there's any more of the different classes we've got a red flag on the circuit now that is quite unusual we've listened to this before we normally get by with the code 60 but this is a test session let me just have a quick look around the circuit before we head down to Nick to see if I can see Lost where it might be yeah there was a car being recovered John but I don't know if they managed to recover it or whether that's the reason I can't remember which car it was now um, so I'll get used to remind myself of which way I've got to scan round the track to see it all uh, towards the BRM watches hairpin at the uh, northeastern end of the circuit there's nothing off the circuit there let's go down to Nick Damon while we work this one out Nick where are you? I'm uh, down with the uh, the Aston Martin team with a, uh, a very well known face uh, in the Aston Martin world of course it's Stefan Mucker Stefan uh, you've done this race a number of times before a different team but I have to ask you where's Darren? Yeah, Darren is in Daytona in the moment, so we have to split, had to split up this time. I used to do the Daytona test, and I'm here, obviously. And uh, yeah, but I'm enjoying it. Um, it's great to be back here, absolutely. And we did a couple of laps uh, right now just to get used to the new tires for us, new tires, the Hancock tires. Um, the car, I know the car very good, so I'm quite confident. And it's very busy out there, a lot of cars, but that makes the challenge. You say the new tires? Could you? Uh, is it? easy or can you tell yet whether they're that different from the Dunlops they, they feel better different front more front more rear grip where would you say they are yeah so in the moment we just try to find the right pressures for it um, so they feel right to be fair so no big drama so far but we will continue with some testing and for sure we can get some more time out of it as the lone Aston Martin I mean, you must feel quite certainly outweighed by all the Mercedes and Porsches I mean it's a, it's a small team three drivers as well so it, it does seem like you're having a very aggressive go for the win this time yeah, for sure, we want to try to, to win, obviously. Um, I mean, the Mercs, they are very strong, and they have really good top speed. I've seen that uh, out on track, so they have little advantage there. So let's see what we can find. Uh, maybe we can find a little bit in the car, and, and hopefully we'll be competitive. I mean, for us, uh, we, we, we're used to seeing you all around the world racing uh, Aston Martin advantage in various forms. What, what, what's the layman? Is the key difference between the GTE cars you run in the World Endurance Championship and this GT3 version here in Dubai today? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the downforce level is, uh, is different, so we have less downforce, you have ABS, so it's a bit easier to drive that car, uh, but still, um, it's the vantage, uh, it's a different engine for sure, but the big, the difference is not so big, yeah, so it, it's, it's a nice and easy to drive car, 
and especially also for our, our M driver, it will be good to um, give him a nice setup, and I think he will be happy. You mentioned the ABS. I know a lot of drivers actually don't like it, and they prefer certainly in the dry to, you know, if the ABS is, is triggered, you've gone, you, you've broke, braked wrong. Is that is that true, or, or are ABS systems now so good that actually you get an advantage of having them even on racing cars? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, um, I like it more without ABS because it's more of a challenge, yeah? So the difference between drivers is uh, much smaller when you run ABS. But for tracks like this and races like this, for example, it helps a lot because sometimes you have emergency situations where you have to hit the brakes hard because the other car hasn't seen you uh, due to the traffic, and then it helps. Then it saves uh, an accident, and um, that's good then. Stefan, thanks very much. I'll let you cool down. Thanks Thank a lot. You. Great question from Nick Damon. And... Uh, down on the spot with Joe Bradley in the pit lane at the moment it's Paul Truswell, Johnny Palmer and John Hindoff up top watching a very very congested pit lane and this is this is reminiscent Johnny isn't it if we look down to the left particularly down towards the, the Black Falcon team this is reminiscent of, of Nürburgring levels of um, trouble in the pit lane <laughs> <laughs> it's like some avant-garde kind of art project. You, you know, just park all, all the cars at ridiculously different angles. And how you quite get out if you're Black Falcon and, and running three cars just for this independent session, this free session when you've got uh, the three and the 14 cars nose to tail and a Ginetta being wheeled back now dangerously close to the left rear of one of those Mercedes. I call this gridlock. Um, it is gridlock, but in art. the most... Feel yeah, my yeah, precisely, art. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And when you have two Porsches as well as Black Falcon do, you know, it's not just the three Mercedes, but there's two Black Falcon Porsches squashed in uh, amongst the garage. The Racing Divas uh, pit down there, they've got the, a very, very pretty metallic blue and uh, green uh, M-Series BMW. There's another red BMW parked outside, a blue, two-tone blue BMW, two two-tone blue BMW, and the Ram car just being pushed away, all from the front of basically one garage. It's fantastic. <laughs> Pictorial yeah, I, evidence required. I like to I think, think that everyone, everyone knows what they're doing, and that you know they're all working around each other, and that it isn't just chaos. I'm sure it's all very well planned. Very but, well planned chaos. Yes. Yeah, precisely. But the, bear in mind, you know, that I suppose the teams are still getting their bearings, and yes, this is an open test session as far as the race is concerned, in, ter in terms of track action is concerned. But they're also having to work around each other in pit lane as well, and they may be already trying to work out systems as to how they can uh, allow for each other. It's the jaunty angles that they're parked at, though, that, that catch the eye, because the, it's not beautifully parked in echelon no. formation, no, no, is no. it? <laughs> uh, Joe Bradley, down in the pit lane. Yeah, I can tell you, it's very apt that we're in the desert uh, here in Dubai, uh, because this pit lane is very much like a desert, as it's changing every 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> you said, Johnny said there, that uh, everyone appears to... Uh, know what they're doing yes appears to but I can assure you it's uh, quite chaotic Joe, Joe you have run teams in, in endurance races in sprint races um, and uh, by the way it's the 138 Golf the Miltech uh, Golf right hand side is damaged it is uh, an accident damaged car though it's come back in uh, on the end of a tour up Joe you've, you've oh. run uh, you've run cars in sprint races, in endurance races, where it's a busy pit lane, but you can't have seen anything like this before. No, I haven't. And and certainly what I, what I was going to add is that by uh, come race day, uh, the teams are going to have to sort out uh, between themselves just what's going to happen. Usually when you have a nice uh, pit lane with a pit box, a personal pit box, just with just a one car, 
then you pretty much get together with your neighbours and find out when they're going to pit because you don't want to trip over each other. However, you haven't just got your neighbours with three or four cars in their garage, but you've got uh, three or four cars either side of you as well as the three or four in your own garage. And it is quite chaotic. Um, I'm new to uh, the Dubai 24 hours, so I'm intrigued as to how, the, how it's going to pan out uh, come uh, the race when people are going to be changing tyres. Remember, no refuelling taking place outside of pit boxes. They go, the cars go off to a refuelling area, which, again, for me, is something new, and uh, I look forward to seeing that. But uh, other serviceable things, such as brake discs and pads and, of course, tyres, which we're going to see a lot of on Friday and Saturday, um, that's going to be taking place as we see now. And uh, as you guys described... Cars are pretty much just come in at any angle that they appear to be able to get in. I think Nick's with that damaged car, John. He might be able to give us a bit more insight. Yeah, Nick, go ahead. I am. In yeah, it's interesting. The, the uh, car came in, uh, as you say, on the back of the tow road, but the, the front right wasn't going round, and it's actually been ground down. So now the alloy wheel has a... Not, has a it's not the tyre that has a flat spot, the wheel has a flat spot. He's had a very substantial clunk at the uh, back right, um, uh, must be another vehicle because I think I don't think there's any. Having gone round myself and, and tried to hit things earlier, I don't think there's any track furniture that's going to cause that damage. And that's also presumably some sort of uh, front uh, end failure of uh, the front right, and that's broken. However, I don't think that uh, th this is going to be any form of retirement. They've got a selection of spares. The bodywork damage is fine. Knock it out. The rear wheel is absolutely fine. It's going to be a, a, a set of front suspension. They should be up up and going again because I don't also. The accident didn't look like it had damaged the uh, suspension pickup. So, possibly one of those things where you whistle through your teeth, but it looks a bit worse than it actually is. Uh, and they obviously won't be out again in the remaining couple of hours this session, but I'm sure they'll be back tomorrow. Might even be back beforehand. Thanks, uh, Nick and Joe. Down in the pit lane, Bruce Jones, the third of our uh, pit voices, you would have heard early on. Uh, we've almost reached half distance here. And at the moment, it is Sven Muller with the fastest time. Johnny Adam has climbed aboard the Aston Martin that he shares with Stefan Mucha. Uh, and Sven Muller then has got a 2 minutes 0 0.093 fastest lap. Uh, that is, again, in the number 12, which uh, is the Fark Autotech Porsche, one of two that they have in the race. I'm just looking to see if we've got double duty on drivers there. I don't think we have in this... Uh, list the, 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 the driving list is a bit of a movable feast Natasha who is the Preventic team member who is tasked with trying to put this together looked at me with an, a quizzical a quizzical look on Sunday when I said have you got the final entry list yet then <laughs> Thursday she said sternly um, no seriously doing a great job Daphne and uh, uh, Natasha Helen uh, and in fact all the team down there they were because I was here a little bit earlier this year I got a chance to see just how much goes on behind the scenes and they had 100 cardboard boxes laid out on the floor that they were putting all of the team's um, requisite bits and pieces in so stickers mm. numbers vests fluorescent vests for the pit guys meal tickets etc etc and you forget about things like that you know we turn up at a race meeting we watch cars go around we get excited we we shout a bit and we sleep we go home 
Um, and we forget about all this stuff that goes on before we even get here, Johnny. That's right, yeah, and it all has to be um, sorted out because, of course, uh, team managers from each of the uh, outfits will be wanting the, the various legality stickers and uh, door numbers. Yes. Um, yeah, making sure that their, their driver names are on correctly, I suppose. And yeah, I can see me getting to a point in this race where, very similar to Nürburgring, I did that race once in 2012, and you said to me, you can get to the end of that week, you can get to the final hour of the race, and you suddenly spot a car that you haven't seen at any other point of the week. It does. And you think, where on earth has that car come from? Yeah. And of course, it's been there from the start, but yeah. there have been so many other competitors, you didn't even know it was there. It, <laughs> it's odd how some cars, and it, you know, obviously the ones at the front that you mention a lot, you kind of get them quickly. Some of the cars you, you latch onto, Racing Divas will talk a lot about for, for obvious reasons. They're old hands at this now, and of course, they are almost irrevocably drawn towards Nick Damon he seems to be a magnet for them um, I always I have it's the brainwashing around the circuit you know if you put posters everywhere. of the guy he's everywhere everywhere you look and I, I'm struggling to actually now recognise the real Nick Damon <laughs> underneath all of this manifesto you know and, and it's and, you know if, if you start looking at a particular class I was watching the Ginettas last year and I'll be watching them even closer this year having driven one myself um, in the middle part of last season uh, you know if you start watching the 997s you'll start picking out the old one or two of those and of course you see them every, and every time you look up you seem to see one of those but then as you say somebody will pop up in a car and you'll go what? what number's that? you've just driven out of the track haven't you for the, last, <laughs> for the last 15 minutes I'm sure of it where has he come from? oh he's third <laughs> <laughs> he's third and he's class it will happen so I apologise to whoever that is uh, the other Aston Martin, by the way, um, Nick rightly said that uh, it's a single Aston Martin in GT3. Speedworks have got an Aston Martin GT4, a V8 car, um, 4.7 V8 for John Gilbert, Flick Haig, uh, and Paul O'Neill. And I don't know if it's that Paul O'Neill, so we'll need to find that out. It is. It is. Well, because of his Speedworks connections, he's driven. Of course, it is. He's yes. driven the Tony Hughes. Uh, Toyota events is in British touring cars so I, I can't think it's any other Paul O'Neill other than the likeable Scouser yeah I get to commentate on him this time around so I can say nasty things about him <laughs> didn't he used to be a driver some time ago my memory's not as, as good as it was before, but before he was I a he TV presenter didn't I, he used to be a driver funny thing is I don't watch TV and I only know him as a driver and when you started talking about that Paul O'Neill I was thinking of former touring car driver. That's it, yeah. Well, that yeah. was it. It was a long time ago. He but only he, did a couple of races. But he even got into touring cars through a circuitous route, because it wasn't a bad pun, but uh, uh, through not the normal route. It wasn't that he came in as, um, as, as a cartist and moved up through the, through the ranks of racing in any way. He was watching in the spectator uh, enclosure, really enjoying watching his motor racing, and thought, I need to find out how to do this. And within a month or two he got his license and got himself onto the um, as you were describing a few minutes ago John the, the, the grading of your mm. license up through the national categories of, uh, of license so uh, yeah, I didn't realise he was on the telly these days yes uh, also another Aston Martin GT4 uh, the Swedes were shouting at the top of their voices on Twitter the Alpha B racing or is it Alphab racing the 160 car for Eric Burns, Daniel Roos, Henrik Skoog and Patrick Skoog. 
another 4.7 litre Aston Martin Jeep, which is another lovely GT4 car. I've been lucky enough to pedal one of those, although not race one yet. That is in hopefully in my near future. As I continue my quest to start off as a commentator and end up as a racing driver. It might happen. Can be done. Can be done. What's the number eight car? Oh, that's it's the triple eight. It? It's the triple eight Z4. Oh, big uh, button, sorry. Yes. No, you're right. Yes, yes, yes right. it is. Yeah. It's just there's nothing next to that on the screen. Which interesting, my uh, interesting paint job on the triple uh, eight car because I, I was expecting to see something. How can I put it? Eye-catching, and yet it's uh, relatively low-key white with the triple, the new triple eight logo. Um, kind of emblazoned on the front part of the car and I don't know it doesn't quite catch the eye as much as I'd expected it to so it's in some ways creating itself uh, you know that that kind of um, car that you overlook easily John that you were referring mm -hmm. to earlier on um, I remember years ago I used to have a game that I used to play at the beginning of the 24 hours at Le Mans of trying to spot which car uh, I wouldn't actually spot until later on <laughs> in the race uh, but spot it first if you see what I mean um, and it would in, invariably something uh, not very eye-catching that uh, all of a sudden you'd notice was uh, moving its way slowly up the order. Uh, you're listening to 87.6 around the Dubai Autodrome and Mortar City. This is RadioLamont.com for the Hankook Dubai 24 hours for 2015. The world's longest-running motorsport magazine show is 10 years old this year. Tune in to Midweek Motorsport, Wednesdays at 8pm on RadioLeMond.com.